Nestor. Howard. Howard. Howard buys seashells. By the Nestor. Nestor. From, from Nestor. Runs grifts. <laughs> Nestor is in jail. Nestor. Platoon. Unique New York platoon. Two and a half men. <laughs> Powerful pointers from programmers and pros. <laughs> hey, what? welcome back. Hey, welcome to the Now You're Playing With Podcast. The podcast. The podcast. The podcast. Yeah, so uh, my name is Brett. I am a writer in L.A. I'm Weston. I'm also a writer in L.A., if you could believe that. Hey, look at that. And, yeah, we're going to go over we're, this podcast. We go over all the Nintendo Power magazines. We're starting from the beginning, going to the end. And we're on issue two, Yeah, we're, September, we're, October 1988. We did this once before, and now we're, we're doing another one. It was so good, we had to do it again. Um, the podcast's so nice, we recorded... We recorded so, two episodes. This might. <laughs> we just we said when we finished our last recording, we said we have to do this again. We should really. We should make this a habit. What if we did this like every couple of weeks? Like, we bought these mics for one recording. We bought the mics. We should do this again. I was going to throw them away. Yeah, this could be a thing. I went to my bucket list, and I just. I mean, that thing's like thirty lines long, and it's like you know, go base jumping in in Thailand and. Move to another country and all that. And then on there is like, do a third podcast, <laughs> but only record one episode. And I scratched it off. I'm like, you know, I don't think that's enough. Yeah, I've got a lot of one episode podcasts. Do you um, really? No, no. I've not. Why actually, would you yeah, say that I, if it wasn't true? I would say, actually, I probably have. I feel like I've been like drunk with buddies and we've been like, ran- we just re- randomly said, let's record a podcast and we record one. I have, <laughs> which actually I've done that. Have you? Yes. Yeah, it's pretty fun to do that. There, there's a fantastic uh, 2012. I was in New York on business, and the first Hunger Games movie had just come out. Ooh. So I went to go see it with my buddy, and there is a 15 minute podcast where we're drunk off our asses in my hotel room, trying to talk about the Hunger Games movie, <laughs> and it will never see the light of day. No one will ever. Eh, maybe I'll put it up one day. Yeah, <laughs> it's I've pretty got, bad. Yeah, no, I, those things aren't going to ever hold up. I mean, I've got like it's funny to me. <laughs> yeah, I feel like if I like dug into the most um, the darkest corners of my phone, I'd find like twenty podcasts that I made as as a high schooler. You know what? We're doing a second episode, and uh, we're on issue number two. It's so true. Let's, let's dive. Let's dive into this puppy. The cover. Uh, right away, we have a um, pretty nasty-looking cover. Yeah, it's, this cover is awesome. It's pretty sick. This is the cover. It's Castlevania to Simon's Quest is the cover image, and it is a it is it like a live-action model who's Simon Belmont, I guess, uh, with like some skull. Is, there's a skull there. It looks like they did a, a gobo, like a light projection on the background to make it look all creepy and foresty. And he's beheaded Dracula. Yeah. He's holding Dracula's severed head. Yeah. On the cover of a children's magazine. I think this being the second issue might have like parents were like, oh, 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 what do we what do we subscribe to? It is it is actually well yeah. It, it is th- the polar opposite of uh, uh our the last issue was a happy claymation Mario like jumping off a hill. What a fun, like safe, playful 
magazine. Yes. We should we should subscribe. And the very first, now that we got your money, this is what you're actually getting. And honest to God, I think if I was a kid and got this, this would cement it for me being like, this is cool. This is cool. Yeah, like it would feel like I shouldn't have it in a way. Like yeah. they I don't know, in a way it kind of feels like the like box art of the PC games my dad would play that I wasn't allowed to play. Yeah. You know? This is the box art for Ultima Underworld 2, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just kind of generic, honestly, but just kind of like going for a badass vibe. It is It is a little generic. I love the Nintendo live-action model covers. Um, I don't know if you knew this. This cover actually did really upset a bunch of parents. Oh, really? It is, it is known that this one was uh, a, a little intense. I mean, I agree. It's... Uh... I mean, literally a man holding a uh, severed head. And the severed head is evil, though. So you'd think... You don't know that, though. I don't know. On the one hand, this is from an era where the, you had the satanic panic. So there's literally local news broadcasts where they're telling uh, parents that their kids are playing Dungeons & Dragons so that they can worship Satan. Oh, yeah. I mean, like I feel like in general, games have had um, you know ebbs and flows of becoming like, oh, this is the devil's work and it'll ruin your kid. And I mean, I think at this point we've landed that just shut up. It's okay. Right. Is that, is that where we're at? Or they keep doing those studies and they haven't really found anything. I mean, it's, it's funny to me now, you know, it's like, Oh, you play battlefield. So that makes you a good soldier. It's like, no, it (laughs) it doesn't. They're not the same at all. Totally. Yeah. I can see this pissing a lot of parents off. I can see this pissing lame parents off. Yeah, honestly, yeah, cool I, parents. Cool parents are going to totally be good with down. this. Um, I think a cool parent would be like, "I'm going to subscribe." If <laughs> I'm going to a cool two, parent would subscribe. Two subscriptions in this household. You know what? I like this magazine. A cool parent would be like, <laughs> "Be like, we're doubling down. We're going to get two. Yeah, this one's for me." <laughs> Shall we? Yeah, I, I, let's um, flick open these pages and dive right in. So right when you open it, I would say something kind of sticks out, and it's um, dope ad. It's a sweet ad. It's it's it just says tidal wave, and it's a kid on a surfboard riding a wave, and he's got like a bunch of games on his surfboard. And I think the thing I miss a lot in like these old magazines is I feel like every single kid's advertisement has a kid on a surfboard. Like this could be Cheetos, and it would be the same kid on the surfboard but there would just be Cheetos on the surfboard. And I miss surfboard advertising. Yeah, this is definitely the surfboard advertising era. This is right before <laughs> you get to the gross-out era where it's all boogers. Yes. And, like, here's a filthy toilet that's advertising, like, Puzzle Bobble. And, yep. And then after that is the sexy, edgy era. where I think we went around, because I have a very distinct memory of surfboard advertisements. And I was getting... What you know, year, though? Uh, so I must have been... My guess would be early 2000s. And it's like so every, 12, I think every, 12, 10, every 12 years. Every 10, 12 years, surfboard advertising makes its way back into the zeitgeist, I guess. But I wish I would, like, this would be a lot of fun to be a children's advertiser where really all you have to do is, like, just say, yeah, kids love surfboards. Let's put a kid on a surfboard and pile that surfboard high with games. Do you think this kid stole these games and he's surfing to get away? Ooh. Or I also, like, I feel like he might have, uh, cr- uh, he was previously in Atlantis. 
Yeah, he stole he stole these from the Ocean King. This was like, which is the uh, like the non copyrighted you know, version I, of. I could see a children's movie where a kid's in Atlantis and he's like his whole thing is he's trying to steal Poseidon's like big treasure. Yeah, and his he treasure open, is and all he his opens Nintendo this games. Big treasure chest and it's just full of Nintendo games. Oh my god! And he surfboards like from the bottom of the ocean up into a wave. Like that'd be a sick children's movie. You look at the expression on this kid's face. He is like. His mouth, he, he's just, his mouth is agape, and he's got the sunglasses tilted down so he can look over him. He's almost like, I can't believe I just got away with this. Yeah, that, 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 that's a face of, of crime, in, 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 my, in my opinion. That kid stole from the Ocean King. If I, I'm going to go as far as, I think parents should have been more pissed about this photo than the Castlevania photo. Because he's, he's stealing. This is a kid clearly stealing. This kid caused an international incident. And I'm going to make a guess. I don't think he knows how to surf. This is dangerous. <laughs> he, looked, he wiped out and all those tapes went into the ocean. <laughs> okay, yeah, I guess I probably don't have anything else to say about this advertisement. There is. So on the other, the other side of it, there's a welcome letter, uh, presumably from... Uh, Gail Tendon, editor-in-chief, saying, hey, welcome to the first issue. It's, you know, it's talking up the stuff in the issue. Yeah. Most importantly, though, man, okay, so cool. if you did convince your parents to subscribe and you didn't get this on the newsstand, you, you got it through the mail, you got a, a sweet calendar. And Brett, did you, how, how, how in-depth did you go on the... Some of the things, point, the, some of the dates on this calendar. I did a little skim. And so the vibe I got was there's really three categories of what I like. Ho- like it's a normal calendar with like holidays written inside of each box. Yeah. And they seem to care about three things. Legitimate holidays, mm-hmm. made up Nintendo holidays. So it'll be like Nintendo Day, Princess Peach's birthday, just kind right. of bull crap. Super Mario's Nintendo. birthday's on here. Yeah. And then the third is just random celebrity birthdays. Yeah, Bette Midler's on here. December yeah. 1st is Bette Midler's birthday. The first date on this is Charlie Sheen's birthday. If I'm 8 to 15 years old... Charlie Sheen makes sense, though. Yeah, I want to really? know, know his birthday. What was Charlie Sheen up to at this? I, I honestly... I'm always surprised when I figure out like an actor I grew up with was also famous a long time ago. Like I wasn't... <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever clicked that Charlie Sheen has been around that long. I guess he's not around anymore. I mean, he's not dead. Is he alive? He's alive. He did that tour. He had those the drug problems, the the winning era. As <laughs> yeah, has he done anything since then, or did he? Is he uh, is he gone? He was. Oh, he was in Red Dawn. Ooh. Yeah. So that uh, that nineteen eighty four movie where Russia invades the United States with Cuba, <laughs> and all the high schoolers go in the mountains to fight a guerrilla war. It, it was. That, that movie's nuts. Uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, he had a small scene in. He was in Amazing Stories. And then he did Platoon in 1986. So he, he had more of a film career back then. Okay. And then, yeah, he transitioned to TV uh, later on. Statue of Liberty turns 102. <laughs> Why is this? Yeah, well, do you, you went through it a little more thoroughly. Do you have any like, uh, dates or uh, holidays that you find particularly funny? I think it's really strange that the Gettysburg Address anniversary is on here. I mean, the Gettysburg Address is a... That's pretty weird. It's a huge historical moment, but it does feel a little like... What? Yeah, it feels like um, like when people do... Like on 
when people do impressions of celebrities and they think it's funny to do like a celebrity you, you only kind of half think about it's like funnier when you do a celebrity who's not super famous but here's my here's my best like edward r murrow yeah 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 it kind of feels like that it's like okay i mean i guess cool how old was the person who made this <laughs> national you know because it's got like national pizza week yes yes that and, actually and that's the only one that makes sense and it tells you when the new issues of Nintendo Power are coming out. But then it's like, hey, guess what? Billy Crystal's birthday, March 14th. I'm surprised like, that I recognize all these. I, I just figured in the 80s I w- it would be all these actors and actresses that I don't know. There's, I mean, David Letterman's on here. He's, he's still around. Really? We know David Letterman. Yeah, he's a, a comedy icon. Nestor's birthday is May 23rd. Ooh. Uh, one thing that's, I did- that's, that's a little too close to my birthday, in my opinion. Uh, Wait, what is your birthday? May 17th. Oh, you know what's super messed up? What's up? Howard Phillips, also an Aquarius, just like me. Oh, man. His birthday is January 23rd. Okay, so we have uh, uh, matching star signs. I'm a Nestor. I would actually say I'm not a Taurus. I'm a Nestor. And you're a Howard. (laughs) I'm a Howard. Uh, And if you were uh, born in June, like my friend Michael, uh, you're an Ali Sheedy. (laughs) Wait, do you know who Ali Sheedy is? No. Okay, we should move on. (laughs) Okay. It's <laughs> a joke for all the Gen Xers. Hey, there listening. we go. Okay, so the next thing you'd open is the table of contents. So we just have all the games and stuff. Um, all the things that we're about to talk about yeah. are listed out here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so like probably skip through that. And our first game is Bionic Command. Okay. A Bionic, game that I have. Bionic no- Commando. Commando. Ooh, forgot the O. Actually, and I, I, for- I don't care about this game at all. What? <laughs> you don't? Um, no, it, it just it looks generic to me, to be honest. So Bionic Commando, uh, I actually care about this game for weird reason. I did okay. not play the NES game much. Okay. Uh, I have since, and they did a remake 2007-ish called Bionic Commando Rearmed. Oh, oh! So this is like a whole series. This isn't. I yeah. assume this was a one-off game. They did a so it's a sequel to Commando, ooh, which is which stars another character who does not have a bionic arm. Uh, there is a really cool okay. and kind of skill-based swinging mechanic with the bionic arm in this. That's ooh. you can actually get good at it and move around pretty quickly. Uh, so that's what's neat about this game. If you're going to play it, I think Bionic Commando Rearmed probably holds up a little better. It's a much more modern game. Don't play the big-budget AAA Bionic Commando they did in, like, 2008 or 2009. Uh, apparently that one's not great. I, I have to say you're turning me a little bit. Like, the idea that this is a sequel to a game, and they called it Bionic Commando, and the guy has a bionic arm, that's pretty cool. Can I, can I continue to attempt to win you over? You already won me over, but yeah, you, let's uh, let's see if you can just... Make this my favorite game of all time. So they censored it in the U.S., but uh, the bad guys in this game are basically just Nazis. Oh, really? And the boss is like Hitler's head in a jar. <laughs> it's like mother brain, but it's, it's Adolf Hitler's head. Yeah, well, that's, um, that's where I'd almost call it generic, where it's, I feel like at this era... Oh, that's not impressive to you. Well, okay, yeah, no, I don't like this game. <laughs> you, you actually <laughs> lost me. Well, I feel like Hitler is the final boss of every game. Okay. You know, like I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a punch out version called Hitler's Punch Out. <laughs> Hitler is the final boxer you fight. Because like I've played, uh, what were they called? Like Smash TV kind of games. Do you know? What, do you know what oh that yeah, is? Smash TV had yeah. a Hitler boss, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, they had a Hitler boss. Yeah. Uh, 
I've played like a lot of like I had like a Midway arcade collection game uh, that had like a bunch of old arcade games on the Xbox, and I swear to God, every game you played, at some point you you came across Hitler and you killed him. All right, well, I guess my wired take is actually tired. Uh, the the other cool thing about Bionic Commando I wanted to bring to the table is there was a novelization of Bionic Commando, oh, one wow. of the Nintendo Worlds of Power series, and I owned that book. How how lengthy was it? Was it like mm, a... It's pretty pretty thin, like maybe 150 pages or something. But there were all these Nintendo game novelizations called Nintendo Worlds of Power, and they were by uh, a pen name named FX9 was the guy's name. Hmm. And what I remember about Bionic Commando, the novelization, is it literally had like moving platforms and spike traps, but it was like a prose book where he's trying to like get through these ridiculous like it was the video so, game in book form is it a comic book or is it a like literally like word is it a word book it is a word book really so it it's like i like it'll be through is it like first per- person perspective like if it was mario it would be like mario is thinking about peach and he walks up to a tube he sees yeah. a green tube and he climbs it. And yeah, thinks, and it's talking about how Mario feels about going into the tube and about Princess Peach. Wow. It's literally That's so, fascinating. Yeah, so this guy is, if I remember, I may be able to summarize part of the novel. I remember it. So he's, he's with Super Joe, who was the star of the original Commando. And they're hanging out in a hotel room and they're part of a secret spy organization. And they get attacked. <laughs> and they blow up the hotel room. And uh, this guy's name... It's like Rad Spencer, I think, is the Bionic Commando's name. Okay, can you R- R- say R- that's a cool name? It's pretty, it's pretty good. Yeah. So he jumps out of the hotel room window towards the swimming pool, but loses his arm in the process. Like, he, Oh, so we're getting his origin story for this. Yeah, so he has an origin story, and they give him a dope bionic arm. They don't, I would love if they just gave him like a candy cane arm, and they, like really, made a, <laughs> they well, really made a bold decision with it. Well, they do. There is a plot twist in the book where he's trapped underwater... <laughs> And he thinks he's going to die until he realizes that he has a second grappling hook in the arm that they didn't tell him about. So they did fuck him oh, by not okay. giving him useful information about his new. Yeah, totally you think you would have got all the information on that. You're actually selling me more on the book than the game. I've got to be honest. This is what I, I didn't know this existed. That's like such a weird thing that to 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 be in this world. It, it feels like I shouldn't be. Okay, yeah, I'm actually going to do a bit of a, a flip. Uh, like his arm, I've died and been reborn. <laughs> and yeah, no. Now that I'm looking at it more, I was maybe a little harsh. It does ha- look like it has a little bit of personality to it. I remember liking this game. I'd like to apologize to all the Bionic Commando fans uh, out there. If it, you know, if it's if it's uh, a good enough game to spawn a book, <laughs> who am I to judge? I think there's a Mega Man Two book also. What? All right, what do we got? Life Force. Yeah, so our next one would be Life Force. Um, I don't have a lot to say about Life Force. It's, it's a good shooter. Yeah, yeah. It looks like a fun shooter, but I, I would agree. I'm down to just move on to Simon's Quest if, if you don't have any thoughts, because I, I don't. Worth talking about, but the magazine <laughs> looks cool. Sorry, listeners. It's a cool-looking so layout. It looks cool. I'm not going to apologize. Um, for. <laughs> I want to say it. It looks cool. Um, it re- looks cool, and it feels cool to look at it. <laughs> Okay, now, yeah, let's go into uh, Castlevania II, Simon's Quest. A, a pretty benchmark game, and is this, like, would this be considered Castlevania really getting its footing? Is it at that point yet, or 
has it yet to truly like define itself. So there's kind of, there's like two Castlevanias, right? There's the more action oriented games like Castlevania one and three and Rondo of blood. And so there's the games, uh, castle super Castlevania four, where it's more skill based. And then there's the ones that are kind of the origins of the Metroidvania type of games like yes. Castlevania two and symphony of the night and the game boy advance. Games. Oh, okay. So that's, uh, yeah. Like, so Castlevania 2 is what starts like that term. Yeah, so whereas Castlevania 1 was a kind of Universal Monsters-inspired, very difficult, but very um, well tightly put-together action game. Like, is it straightforward as a free room, or are you literally, it's is it not, literally like Super Mario where you're running from left to right? It's uh, Sometimes you'll double back and go in different directions, or you'll have like the clock tower levels are really vertical, but it is, you get to the end, you fight a boss, it's hard, you beat the boss, you move on to the next one. And Castlevania 2, it's a little more like a Legend of Zelda, or actually Zelda 2, because it's a side-scroller still, and you're still whipping bad guys, but you have this big open map that you can travel yeah, like through freely. freely. Explore, and you're just, and it's, it's like an action game, right? You kind of, you've, yeah, like, like Zelda, it's like when you play Zelda, you just slowly get a better sword. You have, first you have the, the blue sword, or you, that's yeah, the brown sword, and then you have the blue sword, then you have the red sword. Exactly. And your sword just continues to go up like a uh, arbitrary color hierarchy. And the same with this, right? You, you start with a green whip, and then you get a brown whip, and then you get a white whip. And Exactly, yeah. You're getting these upgrades, and you get some reusable items. You know, in the first Castlevania and in the third one, you're, getting, you're whipping those candles whipping those candles to get stuff, and then you get your, your cross boomerang. But if you want to pick up the holy water, you got to drop the cross boomerang. And this one, actually, oh, man, I may have just walked myself into a corner where I don't know enough about Castlevania too. <laughs> I believe the items are permanent, and you just switch between them. Uh, okay, like, so like Zelda, you just kind of like amass a big collection of, of, of weapons and... Um, I've never played this specific Castlevania, or uh, frankly, any Castlevania. But is it like a Metroidvania at this point, where like when you get this new whip, this whip can like destroy a door you couldn't get through previously? Like, are you getting more traversal options? And like, is the are you like in the in Metroidvania yeah. games, like you start to get new moves and, and and new weapons that allows you allow you to go in areas you previously couldn't, and that kind of like slowly builds out the world. Yeah, I, I would say that this one, kind of like the first Metroid and The Legend of Zelda, like this era of games, there's like there's an infamously hard-to-find uh, way to get from one area to another where you have to kneel in, next to a wall uh, that is totally nondescript for five it, seconds, and yeah. then a tornado takes you to the next area. <laughs> there's stuff like that, but it does start to have the DNA of that genre, and this is one of my favorite types of games to play oh really yeah i there's i'm very bittersweet on them because i love exploration and i love like the mechanics and stuff i just i get lost easily did you ever play super metroid i did and i was lost just use a guide just cheat i know yeah that's what i'm gonna have to do i uh i just have a hard time like uh hollow knight is like kind of like uh i think a modern like yeah. Prime example of that one's very highly regarded. Yeah, uh, Axiom Verge is and, one of my favorites. Yep, and they're fun, and they're like I love uh, the aesthetic, and like they're so focused on aesthetic and exploration, which are like my two favorite things in games. Like I love just being in a cool world to explore. Like that's that's my shit. But yeah. I just can't handle being lost. It, it bothers the shit out of me. Where I'm just like wandering, like I'm just if I'm just wandering hallways for thirty minutes, 
Yeah, maybe I just need to get a guide. I think that's the that's the move for me. Yeah, th- this feeds my uh, need to kind of remember where everything is and to be weird and organized. So a oh, game like yeah. this, I will. Oh man, you mean this? Uh, I'm jealous. I'm sure you get such a better experience than I get because I just can't I do that. It's oh, I got the remote control, so I can open this corridor and this corridor. But I'll forget stuff too. Yeah. Okay. But will you, are you? Do you think you're relatively good at clocking that stuff? Because like I f- like when I play Hollow Knight. And I'm going through, like, the first town. You can, like, see, oh, here's a weird door that I can't get through right now. I'm going to remember this door to make sure when I get the thing that lets me get through this door, I will remember this and go back to it. I will never remember it. I will never go back to it. That's not going to happen. Yeah, I I definitely forget some of those things. I'm not perfect at that stuff, but I do – I enjoy it. And I also don't try to 100% these games because that – I don't want to suck the joy out of it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would I would say one thing I noticed from this game mm-hmm. is it seems would you agree it seems like a graphically st- it feels like a step up from graphics wise it feels like the Nintendo is kind of hitting a stride with a little bit better graphics like this does feel like kind of a second generation Nintendo yeah, it, game Nintendo feels like it has kind of two tiers for me like it uh, it almost feels like there's like a graphical boost like for I think the easy example would be looking at Super Mario versus Super Mario Bros three yeah like it literally looks like two different systems like from the like the graphical jump from the beginning of this life cycle to the end of it feels like a bigger jump than most systems were at this the difference between an atari and television it seems like that big of a step up graphically well that was like eight years of like the original super mario brothers when it was an arcade game was what 1981 1982 and then you're looking at mario 3 was 90 1990 so it's you're you're talking about like years of development, and the same thing here. If you were to look at Castlevania one, and then look at two, and then look at three, especially because three is a really great looking game. Is that still Nintendo? Yeah, and they uh, you can see it's not even the technology. I'm sure they got better at exploiting the resources they had in the system, yes. but a lot of it is the artistic approach. Oh yeah, I do. That is the. Do you think they just kind of realized like oh like. We can kind of play around with these pixels, and like if we merge that, I, I don't even know what I'm saying. I, I don't know how to describe it. No, but you, like, yeah, they're getting better at like they know better what works, what looks good on a TV screen. Totally, yeah, and that's and that's a really cool thing about this generation too. Is you're really we're really watching people figure out the basics of video games. Mm-hmm. Like I think we talked about this last episode about people kind of learning games, learning how to teach you. Uh, how to play the game and right. like properly making sure you understand everything you need to know to play the game. Mm-hmm. And th- this seems like an example where they're just figuring out that um, art matters. <laughs> like that's uh, the artistic direction is an important, important part of the game. I think a lot about, so one of my favorite NES games is Kirby's adventure, which is very late NES. It was like yeah, yeah, yeah. early to mid nineties that came out. It's like 94 or something like that. And that game looks and plays so wonderfully it's it's gorgeously animated it feels really good it's it's got a life to it yeah it's great that the the early generation nintendo games just don't have because they just hadn't gotten there yet uh like unless they're like uh just like i'd say super mario bros kind of has just an iconic look but i don't Mm -hmm. think that's because of the art i think it's just because it's the like the first great game. Yeah. They, um, have you ever looked into or read anything or watched anything about the jump mechanics in Super Mario Brothers? No. Because I went back and I was just, while you were headed over, I was like, I should play some Nintendo tapes. And I fired up 
Mario Bros, like not Super Mario Brothers, but the single screen where you're jumping under guys to knock them over. Oh, yes, yes, yes. That game does not have air control in the jump. Oh, yes. So it's like you say you want to go left, you better, which Castlevania doesn't actually also. That's one of the reasons the game is challenging is you're committed to a jump when you make it. Um, but like Super, uh, Super Mario Brothers, one of the magical things about it is there's like five or six rules to how the jumps work. Oh, wow. And it's subtle stuff, but once you see it, like, it really was a game changer, to use the influencer term. Yeah, especially, like, because I've done, like, research and listening to, because uh, one of my favorite genres is 3D platformers, like Banjo-Kazooie, and, and it's really interesting hearing developers talk about that. Um, yeah. Because there's so much thought that goes into it, because it really is, like, I mean, it's a lot more complex with newer 3D games, but back, even back then, it's just, like, little decisions, like, being able to control yourself in the air completely you don't even think about it as a player uh, if you're not like analyzing it but it it completely changes how good the game feels i mean like when it when you in the original mario bros i agree when you jump and you can't control it it makes the game feel completely different you don't really feel like you're in control of the character you could even i don't remember exactly what the rules are but there's a there's a bunch of subtle stuff that you just wouldn't you just don't have the vocabulary to talk about unless you're designing games but like for example the way that Mario will slip around a block say you like are jumping up to hit a question block yeah there is an edge that if that edge were like a pixel over or something it would feel all wrong it'd feel like you're getting stuck on the block because yeah. you, you're trying to jump around it so you can jump on top of it yep that was on purpose it's really really smart stuff yeah it's 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 so cool that it really feels like gaming is really just hitting that like people are deciding let's put a lot of thought into this and it's just cool seeing those decisions start paying off and and honestly uh it's getting to the point where like people are copying innovation and Mm -hmm. you're starting to see like oh one person decided hey what if games looked better and then everyone's else is like oh yeah let's also do that um you can have artistic uh approach to this yeah what if a was always jump and b was always your action your attack or whatever yeah totally what if select pops open the menu and start pausing yeah that that stuff getting standardized that still happens like you can go back 10 years and you know modern controllers have 75 buttons on them but like what the buttons do is becoming more uniform oh totally yeah i agree um all right i do you have anything else on castlevania 2 nah let's uh let's uh whip on to the next Centerfold. We got we got a poster. Oh, it's oh actually pretty cool poster. I would have to say, is is the map the poster or is it behind? So yeah, we on one side of the poster is an area map for Castlevania Two Simon's Quest, but it's not the actual levels. It is just an illustration of, I guess generally speaking, like what Transylvania or wherever they are looks like. It's like uh, it's more. It looks pretty much identical to what a map in a fantasy book would look like. This like, looks like a Legend of Zelda map illustration because it's yellow. It doesn't fit the vibe of the game. It doesn't at all. I think it looks cool, but I agree. It, it totally does not make it, that ground purple. Make that water, you know, green. Yeah, for a game where the the cover art of this issue was uh, like a badass looking dude with Dracula skull in his head um, or in his hand. This is like. A hand, it's like crayon drawings of, of a map. It just, it's, it's a very different vibe. I'm very whelmed. It, it's kind of a bummer. Um, the other side of the poster, though, is a pretty cool, kind of very of the 80s uh, Bionic Commando poster. It doesn't, I don't know why there's two guys in it. Maybe one of them is Super Joe. Uh, this is by Kez, Kaz uh, Aizawa, is the artist. 
And um, this very much speaking of your your dad's 1980s computer games. Yeah, this looks like a, like a Mech Warrior, like a BattleTech game from like 1986. Like yeah. the cover of it, it's yeah. a lot of gradients. There's a giant bunch of giant walking robots. I really like this picture. It's a cool poster. I, I, again, I think if I was a kid with these magazines, it's all about the poster. Come on. You yeah. might not even read the magazine. I feel like a lot of kids probably didn't even read it. They probably just wanted the, magazine, the, the poster. Certainly, I would take this poster over a baseball poster. Yes, yes. They did not start with a strong... So, yeah, so far, they've had a theme of one side of the poster is a map, and then the other side is a poster poster. That seems and, pretty... I think they keep that up through the life yeah. of the magazine. Oh, really? Yeah, because I showed you a couple. I actually still have posters yeah, they had saved on the from back. my... Yeah, didn't yeah. Okay. More features. Guess what? It's back. Hey, our favorite game. Super Mario Brothers 2 is not my favorite game? No, it's... Yeah, it's fine. One thing I would say is... I'm just curious. Is this how this magazine works? Do they, like, kind of... Because they... When they hit a game, so like Super Mario Bros. 2, in the first issue, they sh- pretty much gave you just a walkthrough of the first three worlds. Mm-hmm. And now they're picking it up and bringing you, and now they're picking up from where they left off and they're giving you a walkthrough of the fourth world. So are we going to keep seeing Super Mario Bros. 2? And is that a common thing where we talked about, we're like, oh, why would you just want a guide for the first couple levels? Is it common to just keep on, it'll keep returning until they've uh, uh, gone through the entire game? No, they don't do this, and I thought this was very strange until I saw... It makes sense to do that. I, like, I think as a kid, to be like, just slowly feed you a guide to a game yeah, with this I, next world, potentially. Here's my theory. I think this was cut pages from the first issue. Because oh. you know who's back? The clown is back. The clown is... The clown that's not in Super Mario Bros. 2 is up there in the upper corner of the pages. So I think... I think they're they're going back to the well and reusing some old stuff they had. Okay. That's an interesting theory. I, I think both... I do think it, to me, it makes sense conceptually to constantly to uh, revisit a game until they've gone through the, the entire uh, guide. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to remember. I, I don't think that's a normal practice in the later issues, but I also haven't read all of them. Maybe it's something they do. I, I, I do want to uh, point out, everyone's feet look really weird. Like, look at Peach's feet. They're just like little little pegs. Oh, I love it. Yeah, th- this feels a little more manga-y. So maybe they had some extra art and they're like, uh, I don't know, let's go back to the well. More Mario Brothers 2. Uh, yeah, honestly, if every time they return to it, there's like a different type of art going on. If they, like a different artist is like uh, doing their take on Mario, the, the Mario gang. You know, I'm in. I'm in, I'm in to see that be different every time. That's kind of interesting. You ready to um, Mario hop onto the next... Um, yeah. Next topic. So next game is Renegade, which I was looking at. Okay, so Renegade is a brawler. It's a side-scrolling uh, fight game. And one of the weird things about the layout for this one is uh, there's these, you know, all the pictures from the game are set against a crumbling brick wall because yeah. this game's hard as nails. And then both, both two-page spreads have just, like, a guy's right forearm, <laughs> but no other, you know, and, like, one of them, it's like, Leather glove clad, you know, like motorcycle gloves with a spiky wristband. And the other one, he's got a chain. Where's the guy? Is he shy? He's, he's shy. Is he uh, sh- he's embarrassed about his game. So here, here's one thing I want to say about Renegade. I thought the designs looked familiar and I looked it up. This is a Kuniyo-kun game. 
I don't know what that is. So Kuniokun is a series of brawler games in Japan. The most famous of which that made its way over here was River City Ransom, which is a very cool game. Okay. And did you ever play the Scott Pilgrim game? Yes. That is basically just River City Ransom. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're like eating food and learning techniques and you're beating up guys. Do you, when you play these games, do you have any idea how to be good at it or do you just mash buttons? Apparently there is a way to be good at Scott Pilgrim because I've seen people play it on like YouTube and they do well. But yeah, usually I just get the tar beaten out of me. You just mash buttons and like if you see like a, like a trash can on the ground, you grab the trash can, you throw that trash can at the enemies. Yeah, exactly. You smash people with the can, and uh, maybe there's some canned meat inside. Yeah, maybe, like, I feel like in a game this old, like, there could be cigarettes and they give you health. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that, would, that wouldn't surprise me. You know, like, the way you get health is you just rip a cigarette and then you move on. I, I did have a question for you. How do you feel about finding food inside of things in games? So, for, in, for example, in a fighting game like Final Fight, which this is Renegade. I don't know where the food appears in this one. But there's definitely, like, trash can turkeys and stuff in Final Fight or burgers. Yeah. And then in Castlevania, you have wall meat where you'll just, like, whip a wall and there will be, like, a, a giant leg of lamb or something that gives you health. I would love a game where you can, like, go shopping before the game starts and you get to pick the meats you're going to find. So you, you, yeah, pay, you started you pay some super- kind of bird to uh, please install these meats into my game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get to like um, call. You have to like call a number and just say, "Hey, um, I'm looking for some ham. <laughs> I want to find ham to give myself health." Hey, I got you. You want some ham, buddy? Okay. Uh, let me just uh, I'm gonna throw this into level three one. <laughs> hey, uh, in all seriousness, we need to get Devolver Digital on the line so they make a game where you either are the person installing the meats into, and it, it's a send up of, uh, uh, how cruel it can be to be an Amazon delivery driver, where if you don't install the meat fast enough, they dock your pay. Yeah. And you have to pee in, in meat, bottles, meat deliverers and like meat deliverer. Yeah, you're prime. like, it's like a racing game. You're like trying to like the fighter who's going through the level is like all the way in the left and you have like a ticker and you have to just constantly make sure they don't catch up to you as you, uh, disperse your meat in, in the right locations. Isn't that kind of how Gyromite works? Because in Gyromite, you have one of the game I mean, this modes. is such a great idea. I'd be surprised if someone hasn't done it. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I, I would say wall meat's too far. You know, okay, so your official answer is I would play a game about it, but I'm not down with it personally. Yeah, I wouldn't. If I found, if I found meat in my wall. What if it was like a protein shake with a picture of a turkey leg on it yeah i'd drink it i don't know that i would is it turkey flavored is that purified turkey i i would definitely be cool living in a world where we we just drink shakes and that was how we like consumed nutrients have you tried soylent no i have not oh it makes my throat itch is that a thing you can do where you just like literally just drink shakes all the time yeah, so Atlantis. If you were a tech bro, you would know about this already because it's like <laughs> I'm so busy programming on my vertical monitor. What if I just didn't have to eat food? And uh, so it's this kind of it tastes kind of like a pancake batter is how I describe it, and it's mm. just designed to be like if you drink five of these a day, you will get all the nutrients you need. Man, I might do that. I, I would try it. I, I'm, that sounds like a tech thing. I, I feel like I might have some similar. Um, 
versions of like I, I've got the same lifestyle as a tech person, just constantly like scrunched in front of a computer. But think about how good food is. I do. I unless it's like unless it's sushi, I don't care. All right, I think I'm ready uh, uh, to move on to RC Pro AM. Uh, so it's RC Pro Am. Oh, okay. So, oh. Sorry to be that guy. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, did you know Rare made this game? Really? Yes, I actually did. I've got the Rare where uh, I've got like the Rare collection on the Xbox. Oh, uh, okay. I I had forgotten uh, RC Pro Am came out last issue because we were talking about this type of game and how I don't like them and uh, I. Yeah, and more. This is where we we split because I like for old games. Like once we hit into the Super Nintendo era, I'm gonna start really being in a zone where I'm like, oh, I love that game. I love that game. I love right. that game. But games this old, all unless it's like a clear classic, it all kind of merges together to me. Mm-hmm. Like in that rare collection, which is like an Xbox collection of pretty much every rare game. That I, rem- made, I remember that. I minus anything, it a little bit. minus anything that they couldn't do because Nintendo like. Yeah, so Donkey Kong Country is not yeah, in there. Anything but anything that involved like Nintendo Solar Jetman is in there. Yep, and the only one of like the old games I liked was this RC one. Uh, the rest uh, of them okay. kind of blew to me. Oh. And I was talking about that Midway Collection game, and I think it had games like these. Like this is a very much just a type of game. And I've I've just it's always been something I've enjoyed and, and had fun. I don't think there's any I have anything else to say about it though. There's a big call out here. Whoever that illustrator at Nintendo is that does that really shaky thick line art is back. They they did the illustrations for the baseball roundup last issue <laughs> that I hated. Um, I I really love this illustrator uh, and they did the layout for RC Pro Am and uh, it looks great. You got yeah. a remote control. You got a little RC trucks. Howard and. Now it's time for, uh, I would say, the low point of this podcast. God damn it. (laughs) And it's Howard and Nestor. Our good friends. So, yeah. Howard and Nestor. Nestor. To say Howard and Nestor are the kind of the mascots of the Nintendo Power magazine. They always get a little comic book halfway through. And I would say, from our perspective, they're just enemies of ours. I, I think... I think we have nothing good to say about Howard or Nestor or anything that they've done. So Howard is based on a real man. So Howard Phillips, the original. And there is one good thing I'll say about him. Okay. He was the original gameplay counselor. He created the game counselors. Oh, really? So we like game counselors, so we have to give some credit to Howard. Yeah, and so I feel like I have to only, like... I don't know Howard personally, and maybe if I meet him, I'm going to start really feeling bad about all this trash talk I'm doing, because, again, I think Howard's an awful man. <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't know who Howard is, but I do know his, um, uh, who, I know the icon and the comic book character, Howard, and in my opinion, uh, he lacks empathy. You know, if anything, in this, he comes across as, uh, he's, kind of a, he's kind of a jerk. He's, he's a jerk. Well... Uh, okay, so, so I think full disclosure, Nestor and Howard are like, you know how like there's like two kind of hells, like there's a explain. hell that's all orderly, like there's kind of like 
the like really like orderly like so, it, it, like, like a oh, bureaucracy or, or hell two, two types of dystopias i guess maybe that's the uh, better way to put it okay and, like there's the, the dystopia that is like really chaotic and crazy and like everyone's on fire it's like kind of a mad max kind of thing okay mad, mad max dystopia. and then there's the other dystopia that's like way too much order like and it, kafka-esque yeah kafka kind of stuff the movie like brazil 1980 whatever uh 1984 yeah. 1984 okay just, uh, way too much control and you don't have freedom and it feels so like you're saying howard is howard brazil the movie brazil yes. and nestor is mad max beyond Thunder yeah Thunder. they're just two examples of the worst thing and the different and, and, and <laughs> <laughs> so what what happens in this uh this full page comic actually makes more sense than the last one so i'll give them that it's still it is, pretty convoluted so but ha- howard discovers a home that Nestor is converted into a business. It's not... No. Well, is it, a, is it a business? Like, is yeah, he charging he, people? Nestor, okay, so there's a line of people going out of this thing, and it says, The Amazing Nestor's Video Wizardry or something like that. He's not zoned. This is a residential zone, and he's turned it into a business, which is a yes. violation that the city should fine him for. <laughs> H- Howard's, like, looking in the window, and he's like, what the hell is going on? And Nestor is dressed as a wizard... And he is giving people, uh, these children, hot tips for how to uh, play. Which game is this? Looks like Super Mario Brothers 2 is in here. Yeah. And Howard is like, this motherfucker's stealing my stuff and selling yeah, it to people. He's using the Nintendo Power magazine and he's pretending yes. that he's this magical wizard who can just get all this information through, um, I'm assuming, some sort of dark magic. Yeah. Um, and you know this is like this is the free seminar that you go to online before you buy the person's information product for how to do web marketing or whatever. Yes, you know, like if you're if you're going to be an indie author, this is the guy that's going to give you hot tips for how to build your kind of marketing uh, strategy. Totally. Uh, except that, yeah, Nestor is just getting all this stuff out of Nintendo Power. He he's pulling one over on these kids, and uh, I really hope most of them did not give him any money. Yeah, I, if. Uh if if he was just doing like some kind of just wizard stuff, like if he if he wanted attention, that really recontext this thing. It's really for me: is he charging these kids for these tips, or is he just does he want people to like him? Because that, that those are two very different people. And I'll allow. I don't see any money changing hands. We don't, in I this don't, comic. Strip. I don't see any money. I see a wizard outfit, and I and I see a boy who uh, honestly I feel like his parents are ignoring him. And I think he needs a little bit of love. Um, <laughs> Saying he's he's not in touch with his emotions. Uh, yeah, I mean, clearly he's um, uh, you know on his way to become a garbage man, and I, I we don't know if that's going to happen yet. And you know, honestly, I'm not. I don't want to throw shade on garbage men. That's this is still not the worst this case is still scenario, Act yeah. One of Death of a Salesman. There's a chance that he could pull it, pull it around and actually like recapture so, his former glory. Totally. And so, and then Howard just totally screws him over because he takes his magazine that he's getting the tips at and just gives it to the children. Yes. Uh, so, so in a way he gives the power to the people a little bit. Oh, capitalism prevails because <laughs> now these kids have a Nintendo power and they know that they can get their own subscription. Oh, totally. Yeah. I guess like to me, what this almost seems like was, uh, Nestor was trying to give this information to the people for free. And Howard came in and said, no, 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 you kids got to pay. So you could almost, you know, these details, it's between the lines. We don't truly know what's going on here. It's, you know, we're only getting a couple panels of information here. Somebody's doing a crime. (laughs) And you're arguing that in this case, uh, it was 
Nestor was doing the the good thing. He's Robin Hood, if you will. Yes, yeah, like dressed like, and frankly, he's kind of dressed like Robin Hood. So maybe that's a theme, and that's what they were going for. Yeah, I don't want to read too into this, but I think Nestor's doing the crime here, and Howard's setting things right, and he's actually kind of okay. Howard did wrong by Nestor here. Like he really screwed him over. Like he single handedly tanked his business. Yes, and the thing is, Howard is constantly like just telling Nestor, "Hey, you're a piece of shit." You suck. Your parents don't like you uh, for a reason. It's because you're 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 flawed, and he just but he just yeah he just constantly sh- like kind of shits on Nestor and just no 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 you you're not doing it right and he just foils his plans but he never like says he never tries to help him. But Nestor is a hack. What Nestor is a hack? Yeah okay but the thing <laughs> he, like I feel like if Howard is is like trying to be this. He's being the parent who's only disciplinary. He's, I've never seen him. He only says, Nestor, don't do this. He never, like, compliment. He never, he didn't, he, this could end with him saying, hey, Nestor, I like your wizard costume. You know, you know he, like, he is kind of aloof. Like, there is no world in which Howard's like, I admire what you're trying, Nestor, but it, what you're doing is wrong. He just big dogs him and shuts down his business. Totally, yeah. He doesn't even take him aside and be like, I know you're stealing our secrets. He he just tells all the kids that they can just have the magazine for free, which Nestor probably bought that magazine. And Nestor probably stole it, let's be honest. But uh, And, you know, we see that in the last panel, um, Nestor is thinking about Howard, and, he, he, you know, he calls him Mr. Bowtie. You know, that's not a little bit of a... A little bit of a this is like a, 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 of a jab. Waluigi calling somebody Mr. Eyes. Yeah. How it, are you doing, Mr. Eyes? <laughs> Waluigi say that? I think so. Here's here's what I'm going to say. I the way I interpreted this is I think different than you. I'm pro Nestor for this one. Hmm. I think uh, you got to be a Howard or you got to be a Nestor. And for this one, I'm Do a Nestor you? because you've got. I mean, when there's two sides, you got to pick a side. I mean, you don't have to, but I'm going to. And to me, what I read was this was a kid dressed like a wizard who was trying to make friends, and some adult came in, pulled it away from him. And didn't really give him an out. Didn't give him like an alt. You know, he didn't. There's no. He didn't teach Nestor a lesson. He just kind of slapped him in the face and left. <laughs> and so, uh, for this one, I'm saying Howard's kind of the. I would say the jerk. I mean, they're both bad. They're both pure evil. But I would say I think I like Nestor a little bit more in this scenario. So if I don't pick sides, does that mean I'm taking a side? Because I hear that when you don't take sides, like then you take the side of the oppressor, right? So well, it would the, be Howard, right? Yeah, so I guess I'm taking Howard's side. <laughs> <laughs> That's enough of this. Let's take a break. Okay, yeah, I need a beer. <laughs> hey, you're listening to the Now You're Playing With Podcast, the podcast. Are you ready? This is the beer break brought to you by Howard and Nestor. Hey, I'm Nestor. Um, glub up that beer, my friend. Here we, go, here, we go, here we go! Did you ever think, hey, I would really love to tell Brett and Weston to shut the hell up? Now you can. Send us an email at mailbox at nowyourplaying.com. Boom. All right, let's get back to the guys. Hi, welcome to the Howard and Nestor podcast. No. <laughs> no. 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 Nope. I think I think we need to go to the counselor corner. It's the counselor's it's corner. The counselor corner. Hey, you want people sending questions. 
to the counselors. The gameplay counselors, those experts you can see at the top of the page, there's a great little illustration of them talking on the phone amidst piles of papers. Yeah, they don't actually, like, they kind of, like, drew what it would look like, and they really undershot, like, I hope that's not what it was like. It, it, it really looks like a sterile work environment. They had those binders. They had, yeah. uh, the, if you go watch, uh, is it the documentary Insert Coin on Netflix? Ooh, little. There is an episode with Howard Phillips. Just hear me out. He's in it. Nope. But also, nope. a, one of the original game, game counselors is in there, and he has his original binder, which I would love to look through one of those. That'd be that, cool. That has like all the maps and tips and walkthrough stuff. Wow. So you're, you're like quick reference binder. Yeah, and so it's really people just, it's clearly a bunch of kids stuck on Zelda because they don't know to push the rock in the far left of the map, and it's a counselor corner saying um, it's like a person whose job is to figure out how to beat the game, and they can say, hey, there's a rock. You got to push it. Do you remember Clarence, like the game counselor who doesn't, his heart's just not in it. He just doesn't. Do oh, think, he, he's gone, right? Yeah, he better be gone. Uh, I think he still works there. Really? Yeah. And what happened was he like slams the phone down under the receiver. He's like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> and he goes to Howard Phillips and he's like, boss, you gotta, I, I can't. God, these kids, they only have one question for me. <laughs> We've got to put it in the magazine. <laughs> Yeah, he just says, uh, someone asks, like, how do you, where is the seventh dungeon? He's like, I don't know. Look around. I don't know, kid. Where is I, it? Why don't you try trying? Have you, <laughs> have you considered playing the game? S my D, kid. I'm just kidding. Hang on. <laughs> now he has to help him because he's about to get fired. Somebody does a complaint. <laughs> yeah, all right. That guy. Um, drinking Olympia beer afterwards, burning the s- office of the ground, smoking on a porch. It's Seattle, so it's like gray outside. <laughs> every day is the same. I go into work at four a.m. Phone I, rings. I pick it up. Uh, I, how do I get to? I'm, I'm not. This is a weird choice, but I'm going to say he owns a pig. <laughs> he owns one pig. He owns one pig. Uh, who wears a scarf? It was his brother's pig before his brother ran away. Let's keep checking in on Clarence. Like the next tip is. The warp zone in Super Mario Bros. And I, I do just want to do a little call out. That's probably the coolest secret area like ever, right? You think so? He, I would say for like being like one of the first ones. Like I, I, I really don't can't think of a warp thing that's as cool because if you haven't done it, it's like when you're in this level, there's these blocks at the top of the level that look like the ceiling. Oh yeah, the one two warp zone. Yeah, it's like yeah, that there's clearly like a ceiling to this level. And you can break those blocks and jump like above the ceiling to the point where your character is literally like standing in front of the score and you run across it to the secret area behind the level. And to me, that's like, holy crap, that's so cool. Like that seems like a true power player is like, I just broke through. I broke through. This is not supposed to be happening. Uh, A timid kid. uh, Timid Timmy, let's call him. (laughs) Uh, Timid Timmy is like, I don't think I'm supposed to be here. He turns the game off. Totally, yeah. I think uh, I don't think I'm supposed to be here. Yeah, it's like I don't know. Anytime you like break a game, and like the developer is like, "I knew you were like the Stanley Parable." Kind of does this. Like if you've ever played that game, oh, like, look- there's like a fake glitch in it. I never understood the credit card in Kid Icarus. There is a yeah. tip for finding the credit card. Kid Icarus is a weird game. Yeah, what that, a weird. I, I also found that to be a little bit weird. All right, it's Gogo Thirteen. Yeah, I've got, I've got literally. Well, my big question is this. Do you use the Nintendo gun for this game? 
I don't think so. So Gogo is an anime character who is a sniper, and he has like R-rated Cold War adventures. Yeah. Uh, so like this game is actually set in Berlin. It's super bizarre because they're like, yeah, you're at Teagle Airport fighting guys. And I've flown into and out of Teagle Airport many times because I used to live in Berlin. And uh-huh. it's it's like flying out of the Burbank Airport. Like there's kind of nothing to it. It's a very yeah. unremarkable place. Yeah. But in the Cold War, life and death every day at those squat little one-story buildings. I have a question for you really quick about okay. Gogo. Go for it. We got to talk about Gogo 13 for like half an hour. Yeah, we're, uh, we're still gone. So on on this page, they they show all the agent profiles, and they have um. There's it looks like there's some femme fatale kind of Bond girl type ladies, Cherry Grace, Maria Lovelet, and then he's got some other allies as part of his secret organization: Condor, Oz Windham, Red River Junior. I just, Brad, I was just curious, who's your favorite? Uh, kind of Gogo 13 girl and who's your favorite um, kind of Felix Leiter-esque uh, buddy agent? So there's, I've got, two, I've got a choice between two different girls. Yeah. So and do the, I prefer Cherry Grace or Maria Lovelet? Yeah. Uh, probably Cherry Grace. Um, the name Cherry is a little more unique. Right, fair enough. Um, and then of the three, the three boys, I'm going to go Red River Jr., that's a no-brainer. Come on. Are you serious? <laughs> Did you even have to ask me? Red River Jr. all the way. I mean, Oz Wyndham is a hell of a name. I don't, Red, come on. Red River Jr. Say, say it and like let it roll off your tongue, and it's like eating fresh caramel. Red River Jr. That's pretty good, right? Oz Wyndham is like, it's like lighting a sparkler. Also, just to close out this uh, very important Q&A session, all of the male characters and all of the female characters look completely identical. They look pretty similar. And that's why their names had to be uh, real bangers. How long do you think they spent coming up with these names? Because I, I, Red River Jr., I'm going to say that's a one-month-long idea. <laughs> I think you need to brainstorm on names for a month before you strike a diamond like that. I think, I mean, they do have a condor here, and that's just... I mean, Condor is the code name. Uh, what's his face has in three days of the Condor? So that's not Condor. That's a one day. That's a one day idea. Can you can you give me your best Red River Junior? Sure, son. <laughs> Looks like you're a long way from home, Golgo. <laughs> we got to get you onto the other side of Berlin. <laughs> yeah, Golgo, of course, sounds like I work alone. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I... I'm going to kick a guy through a door. I like snipers. That's Gogo 13's signature catchphrase. I like snipers. I like snipers. <laughs> it's not, I never miss. I think that is actually his catchphrase. We were playing a game last night, me and my roommates and a friend. Uh, there's a game called uh, uh, Ski Sniper. Okay. Is this and, real? Yes, it's a real thing. And okay. so my friend was saying this, he was really talking about this game, and I thought... Right, in your head, you're like, oh, it's this like, action game where you're a skier and you're also a sniper, and it's like wild. Yeah, you like ski up to a ridge. Nope. And you snipe. Yep, that's not what it is. It's oh. literally just a ski hill of people skiing, minding their own business, and you just snipe them. <laughs> is this on Steam? Is this, this is a Steam game? This is a Nintendo Switch game. Man, they'll put anything on the Switch. <laughs> hey, look, it's Blaster Master. Is Blaster Master an original IP? I think it's an original IP. I, uh, I like the vibe of it. It like is kind of this... like. Power Ranger almost vibe. Like, it's like, right, is, it, is it just this one guy or is there multiple? Uh, there's, we see this kind of like red suit guy and he's got like his red truck. 
Yeah, uh, is that's there, is Jason. There, is there a blue suit guy with a blue truck and a yellow suit girl with a yellow truck? No. no. It's, unfortunately, no, no so team. this is another one where they changed the story when they brought it to the West. And okay. the American story is actually kind of great. It is about a boy named Jason. He has a pet frog named Fred. Fred hops down a hole. Jason follows him and somehow gets a armored tank. And there's a lot of shooting. And I don't know, Blaster cool. Master. You like? Didn't you say you're a fan of the game Blaster Master? This game's cool, man. Yeah. It looks, uh, I, I like the aesthetic of it a lot. I was playing it earlier. It is on the uh, NES. Was it the NES app on the Switch? So if you have a subscription, you can play some Blaster Master. Uh, there's also new Blaster Master games. Blaster Master Zero. One and two, also oh, really? on the Switch. But, yeah, Blaster Master was my uh, frat nickname. <laughs> what is... Mine was <laughs> Lamb Chops. Uh, Were what, you in a frat? Yes. Really? Yeah. So was Andy. What? Delta Ypsilon. That is so funny. Yeah, you, that, you guys do not strike me as the fraternity types. Uh, frats are weird, man. And they're I mean, right, I get- rightfully going through uh, some well-deserved criticism for some frats' behavior. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, which is, you know, a little fucked up. But I, I wanted to join a frat when I went to college. and mm-hmm. um, They're dumb and fun. Like, yeah, there's a part of me that, like, just liked the idea of living in a house with a bunch of friends. Like, that sounds super fun. But I just hated everyone I met. Uh, <laughs> so, I, oh, no. I, yeah, I, like, I went, the one I ended up liking the most, I, like, went for one day to, like, kind of, like, sit in and see, you know, like, I was kind of, like, shadowing the frat a little right, bit yeah. and just everyone there was just flicking rubber bands at each other yeah and it, i just was like i, I don't want to do it's this it's a I, space to be a bunch of jackasses yeah and... it just but it, it felt super like uh i like i don't know in like elementary school when people like mix their milk and like peas and beans all in the middle of their like cafeteria tray and it's just <laughs> gross yeah and granted like you know, frankly, a lot of my friends are the ones who did that. Like, I feel like Chad, my buddy Chad, was just constantly like mixing beans. And, oh, so it was him. Yeah, yeah. Was, but I don't know. Yeah, I just got. I immediately got. No, he wasn't. Chase okay. was. Uh, that makes sense. But I just was immediately out put by literally everyone I met, uh, and like everyone was constantly like saying like, "Oh, your high school friends—they don't matter once they're in college." And like, Wait, what? Yeah, I was getting a lot of people who like kind of you kind of tell they were nerds in high school and like they're really 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 like power tripping on being not a nerd for the first time like not i wouldn't say cool but like yeah like i i don't know i i i got a bad vibe from the few that i i i went and visited but i like the concept uh, of like just living in a house with friends and kind of just being dicks all the time being, being drunken idiots uh i think sounds all right i think that's a college experience that you can have if you want to have it our frat did not there's some stories that come out of fraternities where there's like abuse you know hazing yeah there's like sexual abuse and like all that stuff is like super gross i could see myself had having gotten in trouble for hazing you would have been a you would have hazed freshmen yeah i probably would have why i i like i well i think i'm like a nice hazer but like definitely like when i think of myself in track in high school like you know, we, like, gave a kid a nickname, and his name was just Pubes. Uh, you know, like, I feel like we gave, like, I feel like we always gave weird kids, like, we were really nice to, like, weird oddballs. But mm-hmm. whenever someone was, like, a freshman and they were, like, kind of full of themselves, we kind of, frankly, like, we're like, we gotta, we gotta fuck with this Take kid this much. kid down a peg. Yeah, we gotta call him Pubes. That, that seems like less of a bully thing and more of, like, 
Rob from the rich and give the poor. Oh, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> a little I mean, bit of a Robin Hood. I, I think there's a, I think there's, I think there's a toxic aspect to it because like I was definitely very cognizant of that. Like in high school, I was very like, I bully bullies and like, that's kind of this double edged. That, like that stuff is fun. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I think it's the hazing where it's like dazed and confused hazing where it's these poor freshmen in high school where I'm like, yeah. I'm going to spank him with a board so hard that he cannot move. Yeah, totally. That's different. We're like, yeah. I, and I also, I have the thing too where my ethics kind of disappear when it's funny. You know, like. <laughs> oh no. I don't know. Just like pouring milk on a person's face while they're sleeping is going to always be. Like, like I, I don't know. If it's just like weird and funny to me. I'm the side be... of you I did not expect. <laughs> really? Yeah. This honest... is the real, this is the real Brett. <laughs> yeah. If it's funny, like if it's, if there's a premise behind it, I think it, I'm, I'm down. All right. Video shorts. Video shorts. Fighting golf is a cool name of a game. Lee Trevino's Fighting Golf, and it's by SNK. I don't know that. I don't know that. Company, what gave us SNK is Fatal Fury and Samurai Showdown. It's all those Neo Geo games, right? Okay. Garou, Mark of the Wolf. Fighting golf sounds cool. It doesn't seem like it's what it is. There's no actual fighting in the game. Yeah, it just seems like it's a normal golf game. I wish. I want. Like well, the, what would your be? Yeah, I guess my big question for you would be: If you saw the name Fighting Golf, what do you hope the game would be? I think that it is a golf game set on a ruined world. Ooh! So, like, there's been some kind of eco catastrophe, and um, golfers have to fight for. It's a little Thunderdomey. Oh, okay. So you get you get into the ring and. Um, Every time you take a shot, uh, people are allowed to like rush you and try to take your club. And if they take the club, they get the place in the tournament. Uh-huh. But they also inherit your score. Okay. So if you're at the huh. back, you're at less risk than if you're at the lead. But the clubs are have blades on them. Ooh, so you that's can, pretty sick. You can fight people that rush you. They're you like um, the Final Fantasy gun blades, but golf. <laughs> yeah, so golf. You, you do the thing from Final <laughs> Fantasy VIII where you stab a guy with your nine iron and you pull a trigger to shoot a bullet into them. It's a gun, a sword, and a golf club. And Lee Trevino, he's like the Mike Tyson of the game. He is the baddest dude on, uh, what, what, what should we call the, the pitch? Well, well no, the, it's the name the, of the game is Fighting the, Golf. You know, on, on, the shattered, on the shattered green. Shattered planes. The shattered I, greens. <laughs> shattered planes. I, yeah, I feel like this is a game that when the game starts, it's, it's, the, it's 20XX. You know, like in games where it's like the... It's 21 like, XDX. Yeah, it's like the... Uh, it's like just this vague future. What's the incredible... Uh, there was that retro shooter that they just made that starts with the title card. Mankind is dead. Hell is full. Uh, hell is full. Blood is fuel. Whoa. No, I do not know what that game is. That's Honestly, if that's how fighting golf started, that'd be, that would be jazz. Lee Trevino's fighting golf. Great name of a game seems very generic. Um, it's really disappointing. I feel like, yeah. I mean, if you're going to, and then there were none, the game. It feels like clickbait in a way where it's like, you lied they're promising me, something that they're not delivering on. It's like, like I feel like the, the cover art of this game is like a tank and like a guy with a gun. <laughs> it's a tank that swings the club. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah the, the tank instead of a barrel is a club. Uh, next up. Oh, do you have any other of these video shorts? No, we none of them. None of them are doing. There's the classics, which I, I think is interesting that like arcane games are being ported to the NES. Like arcane that's games. arcane, <laughs> arcane, uh, arcade games. Cursed Nintendo tapes. Uh, <laughs> no, we'll get to those in a later episode. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's cool and interesting that like 
video games were not consoles for a while, and it's like, oh, Pac-Man is being ported. That's cool. Finally, Pac-Man. Finally, I can, can play Pac-Man in my own house. And this version of Pac-Man is a whole hell of a lot more authentic than the Atari one, which is garbage. No, yeah, all of them. I mean, they have, like, Donkey Kong on the Atari. Ugh. Don't play it. No. I mean, but the thing is, there's not really a great Atari game. Pitfall? Yeah, that's all I... Pitfall is still not fun to play. So Atari games were before my time. Yeah. I kind of started with the NES and, like, going back to those old old games. I mean, I... The Nintendo was before my time, but there's certain games that I would say straight up hold up. Yeah. um, Where I would say, honestly, like, play Super Mario Bros. It's going to be fun. Play Zelda... There's, it, there's, you know, there's problems with it, but it's going to be fun. Play Duck Hunt, you're going to have a fucking, you're going to have a blast. Yeah. Uh, honestly, Duck Hunt is kind of fun. But, you know, I, I honestly don't think there's a single Atari game that is actually fun. Okay. It's from, from my, like, from, from being a guy who, like, grew up uh, post-2D. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I started in the 3D world. I see in polygons. You don't understand, Weston. Like, I got, <laughs> when I look at something, I see the triangles. What yeah. do you see? Pixels? I see. Yeah, I see pixels. Okay. Yeah, then we've got this place. Some cool pack watch stuff. They like are announcing that Zelda 2 got uh, pushed back. They got Link. Link was like on vacation. He finally got some time off after like working so hard on Zelda 2. And they're like, Link, get on a plane. We need you to fucking tell everybody that the game got delayed. And he's like, God, it's not my contract. Pretty much what this is, to be honest. Like, not even doing a bit. It's literally Link sending a letter saying, "Hey guys, uh, Link here." Uh, <laughs> and it's addressed to Zelda. Yeah, hey, yeah, it's, hey, it's hey, weird. hon, uh, you're looking good. Uh, I'm, I'm not gonna be home for uh, Christmas. Uh, really busy. Here's my theory for this: is that they realized that they had to push the Zelda two date. And the CEOs of Nintendo really shamed them into writing this letter where they're like, oh, you're, you're delayed? It was, a, it was a chip shortage. They even Yeah, t- yeah they even mentioned it. But what comes around, I here, think- here we are again dealing with a chip shortage in 2021, and you go back and it's like, wow, this happened in the 80s too. Hey. All right. What else we got here? Yeah, we got nothing. I, I do dig, so right there at the end of these previews, they have a single screenshot from RoboCop, and... Back in the day, so this is a kind of cinema uh, at a. It's taking a frame from RoboCop of Peter Weller with this cool gun out. There's like a classic RoboCop pose, and they just kind of digitized it, and that's the screenshot you get. Yeah. That made me think about like this era. They didn't have scanners, so this is literally somebody looking at a photograph and doing like pixel by pixel. Like, oh. Because this era of pixel art like, was way more piecemeal. Than it is now. We had a. We, how, how long do you think that would take to, to make? How many hours would you would you ballpark? It's probably it's probably like a day's work or something like yeah. that. Maybe longer if you're like trying to dial it in. Really, it's yeah. A, it's a good looking little thumbnail of uh, Mr. R. Cop. Yeah. There was so we had a hand me down two eighty six in the home. It was like our first personal computer before we actually bought one in the nineties. And I remember finding a program on there that just loaded uh, hot VGA pictures of ladies. Nice. And uh, it was like it was the eighties, eighties and nineties ladies. So you like the hair was big, lots of lingerie. Did not go over well with the parents. They probably, <laughs> I think it was a family friend, like one of my dad, my dad's like college roommate who gifted us the computer. <laughs> hot 
hot 90s digital ladies. Hey, that's... 12 hot ladies yeah, I don't on even each like floppy have, disk. Yeah, I don't even... Like, I was too young to have that experience um, of, like... You didn't miss out. That was lame. Like, that was way yeah, later like, than the internet. Like super, like, low-level, I guess, essentially porn. Uh, I, I, yeah, it was... It wasn't nudity. It wasn't nudity. Yeah, but... It, which is kind of a bummer, because, I mean, if you're going to... Gonna buy a floppy disk with some ladies on it. Yeah, like if you're purchasing it. I'm di- um, yeah, I mean when you. This is a whole other era of adult content. Well, but, wasn't isn't there like a lot of old games that are like, you play Brick Breaker and as you're breaking the bricks, you're like um, unveiling a photo of a nude girl under the bricks. Right. Isn't that like a type of game that yeah, existed? The, the things that are set into bars, <laughs> like at, at like a bar where it's like, you could play five cards, draw, or you could unveil this, you could, here's two identical looking pictures of a lady um, sitting in a bathtub, and what's different about them? What's different about those yeah. ladies? They look the same, but they're not. Find ten things. Yeah, I, I was, this can't couldn't have been on the, the t- Nintendo. Maybe you had to switch the. I think that there was. I think in Japan there was some kind of yeah that, some anime ladies that tracks anime breakout ladies. All right. All right. So we've got the player pull contest little little grand prize. These, these prizes aren't, so they have like little things where you can send in this player poll. We've talked about this, but you send in the player poll, you like kind of answer all these questions, like how much you're enjoying the magazine, you know, what games are you interested in, whatever. You get into the contest. And you can get into the contest. And honestly, the prizes have been a little underwhelming. Yeah. In both of the first two issues, it's, you just get 10 games of your choice. It's a grand prize. And like, it's not much of a grand prize. Like, if you could pick something, I, I would want, you know, for for, for Castlevania Two Simon's Quest, we're going to let you go to this haunted house and stay there overnight. Yeah, because for this one, they're kind of like... And You're it seems join like these ghost hunters going to middle America to go live in a barn and listen for ghosts. Yeah, you're gonna um, get to behead a person and hold it. <laughs> you get to yeah, you get to meet the guy who played Simon Belmont on this cover. That would be honestly pretty sweet. A picture of you holding Dracula's head. Because yeah, they uh, because it's common. It seems like at least so far that they usually like tie in a game with these little promotions. Mm-hmm. And so for this one, it's pro am or is that? And so it's yeah. like. You just so get like the, a little RC car. One out, of, one out of five people get a little RC car. Yeah, but like that car looks like a sub hundred dollar remote control car. I guess you get the game too. Yeah, totally. It doesn't look like that nice of a car. Even that looks like a Chuck E. Cheese prize. A car like that would a. I, I had yeah, a remote control car. Hundred bucks. Yeah, like probably like seventy dollars. Is it just me, or does it kind of look like Howard's being held hostage? That picture is funny. So, yeah, you got Howard standing over a TV with RC Pro-Am because the second prize. So you got the grand prize is the 10 games of your choice. First prize, you get, you get five, one of five RC cars. Pretty underwhelming. And then, yeah, after that, they're just going to give you an RC Pro-Am Nintendo tape. But if you flip to the back half after the card here, what do you think? That picture of Howard being held hostage is good. But what do you think of the... Bill Gates modeling type <laughs> picture of Howard at the back here, modeling that Nintendo jersey. Another picture of Howard. And it's, it's the sexiest he's ever looked in the magazine. I have to say, if I'm being honest, that's, it's making me like Howard a little bit more. 
He looks great. He looks really happy. He's awkwardly holding a NES controller. He still looks like he's being held hostage a little bit. He tucked his jersey in, which is you know you know what I'm actually gonna say. Uh, we've talked about what like we want out of Howard and Nestor like uh-huh. as people, and we talked about how we want Howard to have a little bit of more Nestor. You want, to you him. want Howard to show some more skin? No, yeah, we, I, we like we want Howard to, to loosen up the hair a little bit. Uh, show us a little. Howard, bit of, let your hair down. Yeah, let, let you the can hair see it's down. up there on top of your head. Let it down. <laughs> and I feel like this is it. Honestly, I feel like this is what I wanted from Howard. He's kind of showing off his personality a little bit. How recently have you looked up that Bill Gates sexy picture? I don't think I've ever seen that picture. Where he's sitting on top of the desk. Oh, here we go. So this is the picture that I thought of. <laughs> It's very, it's wow. very similar. Is, was he rich when he took that picture? Oh yeah, yeah. That seems like you're not. He wasn't taking that kind of picture when he was working out of a garage. This was some photographer that wanted to make Bill Gates sexy, and I feel like this this Howard Phillips picture. I mean, the pose is dramatically Actually, worse. Bill Gates doesn't look bad in this photo, to be honest. Bill Gates? Yeah, he, he looks all right. Yeah, I feel like. Um, that was on like a Tinder profile. He might he might begin some better matches than his usual photos. Your job is being a multimillionaire at the time. <laughs> being a multimillionaire at company founder. <laughs> Maybe you didn't need pictures at all. But uh Wow, that picture is really cool. Can we hang out? <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. These these prizes have been over underwhelming. I they could have done a million what? Castlevania. Yeah, what what's the What's the grand prize you would want to see? I wanted to do the haunted barn with the ghost hunters. Does it have to be related to a game that's been? I uh, think so. uh, Unless you've got got just a better made up one. Let me let me think. What have we gone over? You know what? I'm going to base mine off of um, the calendar. Okay. And it just it's the 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 prize is. You get to celebrate Charlie Sheen's birthday with Charlie Sheen. Amazing! (laughs) Yeah, that's a great idea. Wouldn't that be great? A Charlie Sheen birthday. Hey, next up is NES Journal. And there's some cool spots in this. I think right off the bat, they introduced like, the power set, which is like this kind of DDR mat that you hook up to your Nintendo. Well, so this is a bundle that includes that mat, which is a very DDR-looking mat. Yeah, it's the same it's like, kind of plastic with foam with sensors inside. Yeah, yeah. Um, the way you actually use these mats, track and field is not a fun game, but like the way it's designed is you're supposed you, to like run yeah, and jump. You like track and field? I like, a tra- I like the track and field games. Curse. I'd rather play Dance Dance Revolution. Like if you go like, if you go to an arcade, right? And you just like, you like have all those games, right? It's like, wait, have you did, ever been to an arcade and played the track and field game where you like, is it this track and field game? You don't like use your feet. It's a different one. There's just like a, it, like any baseball game. I'm assuming there's like 20 track and field games, but like. Yeah, this one, I mean, you're literally trying to jump when you jump and you go over the hurdles. Yeah, that doesn't sound good. Yeah, with the power pad, it seems like it's um, what VR is now, where it's like, well, I mean, I guess actually VR is getting a little bit cooler and better, but it kind of feels like maybe VR five years ago, where it's like, we are, we have it. You don't, you don't need it. It's not great yet. Yeah. You're not going to really have a good time with it yet. Right, right, right. So this is like iteration one of the DDR. And granted, I want to be like, how do you feel about DDR? I actually built a makeshift DDR pad like 15 years ago and played DDR so much that I cramped up my legs really bad. You know, honestly, you playing DDR is 
the opposite of you being in a frat where I'm like, that makes 100% sense. <laughs> that uh, me playing DDR completely makes, no sense. makes sense. That completely makes sense. Mm. The frat doesn't make sense. DDR does. Okay. <laughs> Maybe yeah. you, were you part of a DDR frat? <laughs> no, I was part of a normal frat. Okay. Yes. I, the, the, this is old DDR. Probably sucked. Um, so the way you play power pad games is you pound the pads with your fists and don't stand on them. So oh. you have like two kids going with track and field and whoever does the fastest wins and then you turn it off and play a different game. Yeah, it does seem like that thing where um, and they had like a lot of gimmicks, little gimmick objects with the Nintendo and I'm yeah, sure the they were just Rob, it, it feels like they were just gimmicks. Like they were probably fun for a night and then you never use it again. Yeah, the light gun games are probably the best of the gimmick bunch but yeah, yeah definitely. And even those like even though I was talking up Duck Hunt real hard, um, you don't play Duck Hunt more than once. You play Duck Hunt a couple of times. Like, Duck Hunt isn't a game... I don't know. Duck I don't Hunt, go Duck back pretty... to Duck Hunt. Yeah, it's not like... I'll play Time Crisis any day. Ooh. So there are light gun games I enjoy. Totally. But still, like, there is this level of... Uh, it's hard to beat just a controller game. Like, I really don't can't think of a game. Like, even, like... Rock Band is obviously the biggest example of, of these things, like, succeeding. Miss Rock Band. And it was fun, but yeah. still, like, I I don't know. It's like, I, I definitely can't say I'd put Rock Band in my top 50 games of all time. Hmm. Would you? Top 50? Yeah, if you went top 50, do you think Rock Band would make it? I think I would. That era was really... Did I you? Mean, you just show up at a house party and yeah, everybody would that's, get that's on fun. Rock Band. I was bad at it. I think maybe that's the issue. Um... <laughs> Uh, then we have this feature. So this is a part I really like is the rare. There's like, they do a little like interview with rare, the title. Uh, old so rare, school rare, rare. rare. Yeah, it's old school rare. So rare wear is they made a bunch of, of my favorite games. They made like Banjo Kazooie. They made the golden eye game, like um, donkey Kong the, the Nintendo country 64 and super killer Nintendo. instinct. Yeah. Solar jet man. Like the next two generations of Nintendo, they were kind of the powerhouse. And this yeah. predates that. And it's just in the interview of the two brothers. Like, is that the size of the company at this point? Do you, I'm assuming it might be a little bit bigger. They mention... It's got to be. I don't think they mention the size of the company, but it's definitely... This is like the hobbyist era of games, where it's just like a couple of people in a garage well, could become huge making games. I mean, that's what... Literally, this article is the two founders of Rare bragging about how rich they are. Yeah, the stampers. They're definitely... The, the thing that I wrote down... It's so funny. It's, it, if you ever read uh, Masters of Doom about id Software, for some reason in this era, when you made a lot of money making games, you bought like a Lamborghini. Yeah, no, it's crazy. It's literally like... So it's an interview. This is like an interview on... Not just like the first interview I've seen in this, but it's an interview of like a company I really love. Like they've made yeah. some of my favorite games. And they maybe talk about their love for video games for a a small paragraph and then it's like six long paragraphs of them talking about how great it is to be rich (laughs) (laughs) they like so quickly they were like oh i don't care about video games anymore i own five horses i i one of one of the brothers just breeds horses now yep one of them got into ham radio and star watching which are affordable hobbies and the other uh, not only breeds horses, but he brags that he's like, I'm at the level of rich where I don't have to clean the stables. 
I, I find so there is a picture of one of their Lamborghinis here parked in front of like some dreary English fort, like a, an, like a medieval. Yeah, fort. Totally. is that where they live? Are they living in this like? I, I was I'm sorry, I figured they wouldn't be. I didn't know that like game developers got this rich. This era of game developers, I mean, I don't think I've talked about it on the podcast, but when I lived in Austin, I interned for, well, this is tangential, but um, I interned for Richard Linklater, the filmmaker, Ooh. and he didn't have any money. Like, he was still working on Boyhood, but it wasn't out yet. Yeah. He's the guy who made Dazed and Confused and Slacker and Waking Life. Yeah. He's been around for like 30 years making stuff, uh, and he was a really nice guy, but I remember... This is so off topic. I don't even know why I mentioned that. It was because one day he walked in and I wanted to make conversation with Richard Linklater. And I was like, hey, do you know Richard Garriott, who created the Ultima games? Yeah. Who lives in Austin also, in a castle on the west side of town. Wow. Richard Garriott's also been to space. So I was like, surely you guys are both successful, creative people that would know each other, right? And Richard Linklater was like, nope, not really, and just left the room. (laughs) And then somebody called and was like, if I don't sell a screenplay, I'm going to get deported. And that happens a lot at movie offices. But no, that I mean that blows my mind that the creator ultimately lived in in like a castle. I just assumed that like he's had so much money. Yeah, I wasn't aware that these people. And have you ever played an Ultima game? No, neither have I. Yeah, I. I just, for some reason, like, unless you were, like, the creator of Mario or Zelda, even then, like, I even, like, in my, like, mind's imagination, I picture, like, what's Miyamoto or whatever, the guy made Mario and Zelda. I, like, I, I don't, I, 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 I just, in my head, he's probably, like, fucking loaded at this point. Uh, he's got to be, because they've managed to keep him, I mean, Japanese culture, you kind of stay at one company, but yeah. even then, he hasn't gone anywhere. You know, they, and he's kind of the guy at Nintendo. They have to keep him there for the yeah. long haul. So I'm sure they've compensated him very well. And like, I'm just picturing like anyone who creates video games living like best case scenario, just in a kind of nice house. I'm not picturing them in these massive castles. And rareware, like before they made these big games, like I don't know their jetpack game, like I, that did well. I, I've never. I don't think anyone's ever heard of it. Like this, this hobby, the hobbyist era is weird because we live in like the indie game era where. Did you ever see Indie Game, the movie, the documentary? I have not. So that follows the people who did like Super Meat Boy and what's-his-face who did uh, Fez and that crowd from like 10 years ago of indie developers. And when they hit it big, they make like six to seven figures. You're like Rami Ismail who did one of my favorite games, Nuclear Throne, where he's like – he's got some money, but he – I don't think he owns a Lamborghini. Totally. That, that's what I'm picturing. Like, I'm, I picture, like, successful game people, like, at this level. And, like, unless you're, like, the top tier, like, I'm assuming whoever, like, made Halo is living in a fucking, is living in a castle. But, yeah, I agree. Like, I kind of always picture people who are, like, kind of, like, these scrappy indie or hobby video game people. Right. To be, yeah. Six figures sounds what, I, what I'd picture. Like, do, do we, wanna, we probably want to touch on the football section, right? So this is, uh, again, they've taken, like they took three baseball games and smushed them into one feature last issue. For this celebrity profile, they've taken three football players who love video games and put them into one. And honestly, compared to the Kirk and Candace Cameron one last issue, I like these guys a lot. It's clear they really enjoy the games. It feels more authentic. Oh, I can say, like, honestly, for some reason, I think there's always, like, it seems like a lot of sports stars play video games for some reason. I, yeah. I feel like I've noticed that pattern a little bit. I think part of it is they're on the road all the time. Because there's yeah. plenty more. If you, if you listen to games podcasts, 
uh, especially with like games journalists and stuff, like the mm-hmm. old giant bomb cast. There's plenty of anecdotes about them running into sports stars uh, playing. Oh, really? PSP and you know, like uh, yeah, totally. Game Boy Advance or whatever. Yeah, it probably is being on the road and stuff. Like that is something I always like. If I ever am at a point where I'm on the road a lot, I would have a much different relationship with my Switch mm-hmm. or phone or, or just like general phone games. And like I, I can always be a little bit jealous of that. Like that would be fun to be like. To kind of like have your options limited of what you can do for fun. And so oh, yeah. Then, then you kind of have to really glob onto what you can actually do. Yeah, I, I genuinely, I, I enjoyed this one. It just felt like, I mean, the only couple, just two small things. One is that they all have like 30 to 60 games because, you know, they're making football money. Yeah. So they're just like, oh, Nintendo's cool. I'm going to buy every game the store <laughs> has. Let's see if any of these are good. And then they all just end up playing baseball. And Well, I... Full disclosure, fully skipped this section. I thought it was literally a sports article. Oh, no. Yeah, I, mean, I was not aware that this was Look them. at Ron Morris sitting in his living room yeah, on the floor like know, a kid would, in, playing his video games. Uh, I think when I was reading through this, I saw football pictures and thought, oh, that's funny that they have a football thing, and I gave it no more attention. Well, so there, there is one other thing I'll point out, which actually really bothered me. Which is there's a section in the in the middle here. Let's see. So Ron Jones is who they're talking to. It seems impossible to beat Tyson because they're talking about Punch Out. Yeah. Said Jones, whose favorite games are, of course, from the sports series, golf, ten yard fight, and baseball. Top his list. I think that I'll be giving the game counselors a call soon. Mm-mm. Where have we heard this before? Yeah. Would it be in the last issue? Yeah. For Kirk Cameron, quote unquote, claimed that he was going to place a call to the game counselors. I can't see a sports star needing help. Needing again. help. Like, like, like he's going to have somebody himself and calling a guy with a mullet for help. They have like a towel boy or an assistant or somebody on the team where they're like, you call that two, 200 number or whatever that two Oh six. I feel number. like they, if they had their version of a sports counselor, they have like their own special number where like an agent comes in from a helicopter. A VIP game yeah. Like I think line. they have their own secret wow. number where like, Literally, all the game counselors like jump inside of a helicopter and fly to wherever they're at. Clarence, get your stuff. God damn it, it's happening again. Put him in the helicopter. Get him down to Houston. Yeah, actually, maybe that's why Clarence is giving such bad answers is he's like always busy on helicopter trips towards these celebrities. Make me miss my salmon barbecue, you sons of bitches. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Well, I think in the mailbox... Mailbox. So mm-hmm. the next section is the mailbox, and it's just you know, at long last the uh, best section in the magazine. It, it, honestly, there's some really good hits here, and it's really just uh, fans of Nintendo or people who subscribe to this magazine just literally send like little fan letters, and Nintendo might like comment on them. And there's a lot of golden nuggets in in this. I love. I mean, we could just start at the beginning here. The very first letter has four signees on it from Kansas, and they're doing the thing, which you know we live in Hollywood. Have you ever been at a Q&A and somebody gets up to the, the mic and it's like, Chris Carter, I'm such a big fan of the X-Files. I have a really good idea for a movie. Yeah. And everyone in the audience is like, shut up. Yeah. I mean, even like on the uh, mi- micro scale with doing stuff, just whenever anyone's like, oh, I've got an idea for you. I'm like, okay, I'll give you the idea. Don't tell and me. You make it. I, I don't, and we yeah. split it 50-50. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't care. Yeah. So, so the, these four kids are like hey, can we make an idea for a game and send it to your company? And their answer is the classic, actually, no, legally, do not 
do not <laughs> do not send us anything. We can't. Sorry. Yeah, I just had to kind of crush these kids. Let's see what what else yeah. is good in here. I, I would say another golden gem of this, and I say would say this is a, a good Howard moment. Is someone points out that Howard looks like Little Mac from Punch Out, and they have a picture, and Howard is just. It looks like a dork. It's, it's great. It's like a fun photo of Howard, like holding his fists up. He's like, "Yes, I, I Ooh. have been in a fight." Yeah, like Little Mac. And I have to say, uh, we were talking about Howard and Esther in the comic book, and I was kind of giving Howard a hard time. But uh, whenever I see a real photo of him, it humanizes him. The hue. Uh, I like human Howard. It's the it's the persona that yeah, bugs you. It's, I don't like comic book Howard. I like human human Howard. It's a charming, nice, talented bright smart guy and uh <laughs> he looks like he's about to host a pageant the way he's dressed yeah and he looks like little mac i yeah. I, I, I like i like this howard this is i wish they would figure out how to put this into the comic a little bit more because i feel like howard wouldn't do um the actions that he does in the comic book and like Whenever you see him, he is. He's you, kind of a you dork. If, if Nestor was... You think how the real Howard Phillips would treat children with a little more respect? Yeah, with a little bit more respect and you know empathy. And Do you think Nestor was able to get the courts to reverse his conservatorship? Because <laughs> Howard kept abusing him and wouldn't let him like procreate. And... I would love to see the real-life Nestor, who isn't a real person, but I feel like... My guess is that Tindo created a Nestor in a lab. It's just Carrot they Top, like, right? Yeah. The real life Nestor is just Carrot Top. <laughs> yeah, that tracks. <laughs> uh, so there is another good grandparent letter here from Jim and Dot McGurr, which is great names. Great. And I do, I do like the grandparents. And it is a little, as we've seen, it's a little specific in the vocabulary. You know, they, they say things like uh, referring to the enemies in Metroid as Zebatite. Uh, Zebatite chambers, and they mentioned Mother Brain, and I feel like that is a level of specificity that a grandparent letter writer just would not show. Yeah. Again, there is one letter here that I think is extreme. It's probably the most important letter we've seen so far. The Punch-Out Palm? Oh, man. No? The the second most important letter we've seen so far. (laughs) Okay. Brian Clegg writes in to ask, do your Nintendo tapes only last five years? Does it matter if you set them on chairs or if you put the controllers on the floor? And this hmm. is important because I pointed out previously I was making a joke by calling them Nintendo tapes. Yes. People actually did that. People did it. I get it. They had to explain they- to Brian that the games are not tapes. That's just a uh, slang term. So, yeah, they even acknowledge that that's a term that people were saying. I yeah. have to say, when you said Nintendo tapes, again, I, I did not question it. I was like, that's the, that sounds like the official term. They're Nintendo tapes. It's because you go to the video store to rent some tapes. Yeah, I guess I don't And you really... also get some video game tapes at the same time. Yeah, to me, a tape isn't like... I don't think of the technology. I think of... A tape is just a box you put into something, and something happens. Yeah. You know? There might be stuff in the box, but I can't see it. Yeah, I can't see it. It is doesn't it a, matter. Is so... it a small creature that runs in a circle? Is it like a magic thing? Is it an entire world? Yeah, I don't, you know, I don't care. That's, that's an issue for other people. I don't care what's inside the box. I, I just want it to work when I, I plug it in. I put the box in the box. Did, I'm assuming tapes probably work better than, like, Nintendo games, sometimes you put them in and they don't turn on. Like, we're in the era where you have to, like, blow into it and, like, constantly clean it. And I mean, tapes are going to be more prone to problems because there's more are, moving parts, right? Really? Like, are, are, I, I can't really remember having tapes, but would tapes, like, break and... You know, with tapes. So picture this. 
you, you've got your, your NES system, and you're like, I want to play, what's a good game you could play? Let's play some RC Pro-Am. I want to shoot missiles mm. and collect letters to spell Nintendo to get extra mans. And uh, you, you put it in, you hit power, and you hear this like <laughs> noise, and then you're like, oh, fuck. And you try to pull the tape out, because this is what would happen with cassettes. You try to pull it, pull the cartridge out, and it's just like a strip of paper, uh, uh, a metallic strip that's just become tied up inside the system. Oh, and wow. You have to gently pull it out and then go to the spool on the back of your Nintendo tape with and stick your finger into the little plastic spool and like wind it back up. That's what it was like to have cassette tapes. Okay, so that's worse. It's way worse. It's worse. Yeah, it's way worse. They were Nintendo was a step in the right direction. It's also bad to like blow spit all over cassette tapes too, though. So they had they shared some. Uh, yeah, you're not supposed to, <laughs> you're not supposed to blow into in, into the Nintendo cartridges. Just lick those Nintendo lick, cartridge contacts just clean. Get your tongue right in there. Gross. <laughs> Weird thin tongue. All right. Anyways, I just wanted to point that out. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad they got corrected. But yeah, I would say my big my favorite letter of this is the Punch Out poem. It's very good. Uh, do you want to read it? Yeah. Um, Mike Tyson's great, the man in black. He's got more power than Little Mac. He can really go when he gets in the ring. He starts his moves when the bell goes ding. Mm. To get the ring to play the best, first you have to beat the rest. Yeah. You think Mike Tyson can't beat, but if you have the strength, you can knock him to his feet. Hell yeah. And Nintendo's uh, response to this was, powerful poem, Paul. Well done, Paul Woods, Shanesville, Wisconsin. You're from Wisconsin, right? Uh, You're wearing yeah, a Wisconsin I, shirt. Wisconsin track and field. Yeah, the, I'm from Illinois, but I've definitely it's totally different. I've I, definitely never mind. I've stepped into Wisconsin. I was right uh, on the Wisconsin border. Okay, so you've been near Wisconsin. Yeah, uh, yeah, I was on the border. So I, you, you and know. Paul, like share share uh, like soulmates. I, but I kind of feel like um, their response to that was just not knowing how to respond. Like, I feel like saying powerful poem, Paul is truly not like knowing how to respond. They, they were so shook yeah. by how badass Paul's poem was. They're just like, that was, it's really moving, man. Like, <laughs> wow. So there is, there is a, a couple other letters here. One is quite a lengthy one. Cause George Ward from Austin, Texas did a survey at a school and put it in a school newspaper as an article, and they actually published part of it, which was pretty great. Uh, although, once again, Nintendo's totally thrilled because the survey shows the market share of the various kids uh, at the school, and Nintendo comes out as the clear leader for like <laughs> which video consoles these kids own. Like they totally, oh man, they completely demolished the competition. However, and that was good, and I just wanted to acknowledge it, because well done, George Ward. Uh, Nintendo published your, your newspaper article. But man, did you see this last letter? N- no. I... Obliterate Monotony uh, by this kid, Edward oh. Charlatan. Oh, yes. Yes, this is, this is a weird one. So, I'll just, so Edward writes in, he says, A few months ago, my mother said how sometimes her life was monotonous. I told her, why don't you play games on the Nintendo Entertainment System? She said, what difference would it make? <laughs> so. Yeah, we're getting a really dark slice of someone's life here. I, I think this kid's mom was like seriously depressed. Yeah. Like she was dealing with something. 
And so the letter continues. The next day, she tried, and ever since that, she has been beaming aliens, turtle bopping, punching wrestlers, knocking out boxers, designing courses, in parentheses, tracks, racing cars, saving royal maidens, defeating monsters, etc. Thank you. Yeah. This kid, like, helped his mom deal with her depression. Huh, well, And so did Nintendo. Here's my... So I took this as a very, very dark slice of the world. I Like, because... My guess is Nintendo didn't fix his mom. You know, oh. there's no right. There's you no, don't think so? There's no, I maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like depression can't be cured by Nintendo. Well, you know, <laughs> one of the things especially about- right, like if anything, like maybe like to me, which this was actually I was this was genuinely like kind of sad, uh, and it was like it's like this kid was clearly his mom's depressed i i'd say yeah. like clearly from the, the two from things the, the mom says are clearly like why would you say this to your kid and like the kid probably like had her play you know and she kind of was surprised to have fun and he probably like really ran with that yeah and that to me that's kind of sad too because it's like a kid being like oh i finally saw my mom not be sad but like you know it's probably not a real solution i mean so maybe Right. And, and also, like, if somebody's really depressed, it's a process to get out of that. It's not just fixed because that's like yeah. manic behavior. You know, it's like it's like those highs and lows. Totally. R- really getting out of depression is a more complex thing. So maybe this was just a step on the journey. Oh, so like it was like so like when you are going through a depression, like sometimes you like have that TV show that really got you through it or something like that. Wow, I got to the new area on Rygar where it's top down. I'm cured. Thank you, son. <laughs> I don't think it was that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I guess my spooky thing is just. Uh, yeah, I guess for some reason in my head, I was picturing this 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 mom as an eternally depressed person, which is probably not accurate. I guess we don't know. Yeah, I guess we'll never know. Maybe Edward will write in again. I, I was really struck by the range of letters we got this time. Yeah, I, totally. I think more of them are real. This was a real, I would say, banger of one. It 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 uh, it it hit every emotion you could. It's a, it's it's a, a real variety of, of emotions. It, none of them are just, I think you should play this little known Legend of Zelda like game that nobody bought in the US. Yeah. Called to- Legend of Kage. <laughs> totally. Like there's, there's fun. There's comedy. We get Howard looking like Little Mac. There's a powerful poem. There's uh, a, a, a true new- story of depression. It's, 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 it's a huge a range. Ki- a kid helping their mom with their depression. Yeah, wild. You've got somebody to Q&A trying to pitch uh, Chris Carter on doing, you know, trying to pitch Edgar Wright on a movie that he should make with this kid. Yes, yeah, yeah, yes. I'm going to shoot my shot by doing something that for decades people have told film fans not to do at Q&As. Yeah, it's just, this is going to be hard to top. I mean, yeah, for the mailbox, but we do, we do still oh, have yeah, a we're, great section coming. We've got some good stuff, but mailbox-wise, I'd say this is top tier. Um, I think we've... We've got the NES Archiver, which I don't... Really NES Achievers. Achie- oh, Achievers. Sorry. you got yeah, those Chivas. I'm the terrible at reading. So, <laughs> but, but it is cool. You literally, like, uh, they show the process in the bottom right, which, I mean, you mm-hmm. like, literally have to, like, take a picture of your high score. Like, it's a, it's a cool process. I'm sure it's interesting when there's a game that, like, the high score is all night. Like, people are maxing out the score. So yeah. it's not really, like... It's not really a competition at this point. It's just a finish line. Yeah, I got to, like Kid Icarus, you max out at just shy of a million points. And everybody, TNC Surf Design, same thing. Yeah. TNC Um, Surf Design, is that the one with the monkey that surfboards? Anyways, um, also, 
I don't think we said it last issue, but Cliff Blazinski put in a high score in the first issue of Nintendo Power. I don't know who that is. He is a game designer at Epic Games. He was a level designer on oh, like cool. Unreal and Unreal Tournament. He's a like a games industry titan. Wow. Cliffy B. That, that's pretty cool. Well, I think we're heading the the peak. If, 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 Finally, if, we've if, arrived. If Howard and Nestor is the bottom swamp of this, this is the heaven yeah. uh, of, 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 the, of this magazine, and that is the Power Player Spotlight. Oh, my God. So I know which one I would like to read. I didn't, I didn't have one picked. Let me pick one really quick. Okay, so while you why, think why about you that, go I'm going to go ahead and just explain what a Power Player is. It's just literally someone who's kind of like a hometown legend of, like, this person is insane at video games. And some yeah. and it's usually like through the perspective of someone else. Sometimes it's like someone else talking about this legend like, "Oh, this one kid at my high school like no one could beat him in Donkey Kong." Or sometimes it's the person just talking themselves up. But it's literally yeah. like people just pretty much just bragging about how good they are at video games or bragging about a friend or, or bragging about a friend, yeah. Secretly bragging about themselves from the point of view of a quote-unquote friend. Yeah, so there's, you know, there's 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 some secrets, but that's what it is, and I'm going to read my personal favorite from this one. Yeah, go for it. And I will be reading Charlie Wenner. Yes. Well, I, uh, I think I am a power player. Before I play my first game of a cartridge, I first read the instruction booklet and study it for a few minutes. Then, before playing a game, I stretch my fingers for five minutes. Next, I watch the examples if the game has one. At last, I start playing the game. I have right. conquered many games, such as Akira Warriors, Ragar, and Super Mario Bros. I conquered Contra in seven days. Right. I beat Mike Tyson in Mike Tyson's Punch-Out oh. from a friend. I conquered the first quest of The Legend of Zelda in ten days and got all the pieces of the Triforce in the second quest, except for the level seven, which I still cannot find. If only I'd stretched those fingers for another couple of minutes. Well done, Charlie. From Cape Girardeau, so, Missouri. I realized as I was reading this, I had to change voices because I realized this this kid, he's he's not on the balls of his feet. He's 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 a sharp, sharp young lad. He's pretty good. He, pre- he preps. How do you feel about his prep? The the training before playing the game, I think, is pretty fantastic. I think that's good <laughs> advice. Read the manual. Yeah, honestly. Well, first off, I'm going to say the first piece of advice he gives, especially with these older games, is pretty legitimate. It's um, certainly better than any advice any of them gave in the last one because in the last one it's just like have more lives. Yeah, like, thanks, kid. Totally. And reading the manual, like we've talked about, like sometimes you don't know if, like they don't really explain all the buttons, and sometimes you have to read that manual like that's smart. Stretching out those fingers, I've never done it. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's great. Like maybe that really helps. Have you ever stretched your fingers out for five minutes before playing a video game? Not before playing a video game. You, there's been other scenarios where you stretch your fingers out? Well, so I, I used to take ju- jujitsu classes in high school. And, okay. Uh, you definitely want to stretch your like wrists and hands out because it's all wrist locks and stuff, and you can really, you can really do some damage if you're not nice and limber. Oh, really? I've never like th- viewed the hand as something that like needs to be stretched out and limber. Yeah, I guess you know? it's, it's more of a wrist thing. Yeah, or it's, like, the thing is I, don't, I can't say I'm a hand expert. I don't know... like. Is that a thing? Handologist, I believe yeah, is the like, term. Is there a level of like, because like, that would make sense. Like, why, w- why wouldn't your hands w- operate the same as like your legs and stuff? Like, just 
does it need to be stretched out for warm my hand up by popping it into the microwave for 30 seconds (laughs) i wonder if professional players have to have some stuff they do especially to deal with like repetitive stress injuries and things like that right yeah tendonitis so they they probably have like kind of physical therapy style things they do definitely well do you have what what's what what are you what what are you what, what what's your pick I really like the next letter from Donna Saxton. Um, this one, it's pretty great. All right, you ready to give should, it a whirl? Should we have Should we have a girl come in to read it? Yeah. Should it be? Do you have a? May, yeah, we'll insert a a read through uh, from a from a female friend as the first female power player to write in. Ooh. Hi. My name is Donna Saxton, and I think I'd be kind of considered a power player. I don't want to brag, but to me, this is quite an accomplishment because of the amount of time that it took. Here's the story. My mom bought me The Legend of Zelda. I thought it was great. Now, this was on a Saturday. We came home, and I went straight to the NES. By the next day, I had six hearts, the bow, the raft, and the ladder, and I was working on getting the whistle. By the next Sunday, I had everything. I mean everything. I knew where everything was, and I figured it all out in one week and one day, and then I defeated Ganon. Now I'm working on the second quest. My whole life is full, and I'm only missing three things, and this is my third Sunday I've had the game. So you could say that I really like The Legend of Zelda. My tip is, if your character gets killed and you get mad, don't worry. It's just a game. Leave it for about 10 minutes, and when you come back, I'm sure you'll do better. Donna Saxton, Midland Mai. So the, the reason I, I like that letter a lot and wanted somebody to read it uh, was because she has, first of all, first female power player. That's a really big deal, because to this point, it's been all boys. So, yeah. And Donna also... Um, she has maybe the healthiest advice. Hand, hand warm-ups is, are great, but her tip is, I think, really sound. She said, you know, like, if your character gets killed and you get mad, don't worry. It's just a game. Leave it for about 10 minutes, and when you come back, I'm sure you'll do better. That's actually... Yeah. That's been scientifically approve, proven to be, like, good video game advice. Yeah, totally. That, that is some legitimate good advice uh, in a lot of ways. It makes the games fun. There's that, yeah, there's that thing where if you, if you sleep on a game where you're stuck on a boss, something about that rewires your brain and then you yeah, just come back. Yeah, I, you... I do that. I still do that. Where if, I'm, if I take too long on a boss, I'm at the point where I've realized the best move is to just stop playing for a while and, and come back to it. Yeah. So well done. Well done, Donna. Donna. Welcome to the fold. Donna, you did awesome. it. I have one more anecdote. Okay, what do you got? So this very last letter... My brother and I are the best at any sports game, and they talk about playing double dribble. And in the letter, they point out that they basically get unstoppable because all they do is play each other on their respective sides. So he can beat anybody on the right side, player one, and his brother can beat anybody on the left side, player two. And that reminded me very much of playing Soul Calibur 2 with my roommate at school. Okay. Where he would play Killick, fights with staff, who has great reach. Killick's my guy. I would play as Talum. She's got those little tonfas, and she's really fast but has short range. Yeah. And we just fought, fought each other constantly and would scream and throw the controllers when we lost because the games would be so intense, and Ooh. nobody could 
play either of us because we were just ridiculously good. Yeah, you played it all. Yeah, definitely. Because you're playing like your opposite person, the person who's most capable of defeating you. Yeah, totally. Like, it's the, like a different type of game almost. So that really reminded me of that where it's like, he's not, he's not my brother by blood, but uh, <laughs> when it comes to Soul Calibur, Walter's my brother in video games. Yeah, I don't think I've ever had that. I, like, I feel, I've never had friends that game that much, which is, I guess, kind of a bummer in its own way, but... Yeah, so I've never like been in a scenario where I'm with someone and we're really like pushing each other to get better at it. Yeah, I think I, maybe I'll, I'd have some example. Like, it's really it gets harder as you get older my, too because my, you don't have like your college roommate where it's just like, oh, we're just going to show up for the evening and drink beers and play. Yeah, me and my brothers played a lot of Super Monkey Ball, and I think that was actually probably my example of like, yeah, uh, just having someone and us both getting really good at the game because we're both like kind of being competitive about it. Yeah. I definitely don't have somebody, I, I was playing destiny two for a while, but destiny two is like having a job where it's like every week it's like, yeah. you got to do the same 25 things. It's just a lot of work. So I got, I'm not playing destiny two right now. <laughs> We're not going to do that. All okay. right. So that was the video spotlight or power players. So that leaves just, we've got the top games. We got the top 30, the top 30. These are the, kids favorite games what are what's hot what's not these are these are your votes if assuming you sent in a player's poll card <laughs> if you were in 1988 if you're how old would you have to be at this point probably um oh me personally if, i would have been four it, it would have been four so how old are you right now or 37 37 so you probably you'd probably need to be like 40 plus of yeah. a listener to, so to if, we, if, if you're for if you're a listener out there who's over 40 yeah, the, the over 40 crowd listening to this pod, uh, this one's for you. These are your top, you want to do the top five? Yeah, so at number five, and this is the same as last month, we oh. have a Kid Icarus. All right, credit cards. Great, yeah, credit cards, this makes sense. And number four, Super Mario Bros., also unchanged from last month. I hear good things. Yeah, that makes sense. I was curious, like, we are jumping in pretty late in the cycle. I'm sure this game was number one for quite a while. Did they have, so we got to do like a special episode about the Nintendo Fun Club. Yeah. They did seven issues of that, and that was like a quarterly magazine, I think. Okay, yeah. Or a newsletter. So I I don't know if they had rankings in it. So we got to go, I guess we'll find out. Yeah, I feel like Super Mario Bros. is like the old pro who's too old at this point. Do you remember? Yeah, Super Mario Bros. was for sure in the day? a number one spot and was the untouchable titan. I live on top of a mountain. Yes, and then at number three, we've got Metroid. Right. Which also, that Metroid's kind of a newer game at this point, too. So Metroid right? came out 86. 86. And, okay, so it's, it's been a little bit of time. Metroid, Zelda, and Kid Icarus were all the kind of the same era. They all came out a few months of, within, within a few months of each other. Okay, cool. So, so it's, it's interesting that Metroid is like a pretty iconic game, but it's not an absolute like home run hit and i'm gonna guess metroids never were right uh, metroids were probably never the top number one game in the chart people, it's probably only yeah, mario and zelda right people love metroid in the west they don't yeah. love it as much in japan which is why you get these kind of weird half steps it's not like nintendo r&d or ead or whatever it's called their internal you know they go to retro studios to do metroid prime yeah. Uh, so they have like Western companies making Metroid games 
for the West. I, yeah, I don't. I love Metroid. So totally, it's it's an example of like a game that is probably. Why like, are you questioning this game would be bad? No, no, this I'm not is saying really important. It's to just me. interesting that I think there's only certain types of games that will ever be the number one spot, right? It seems to only because like I've seen these tra- track lists and like it really does seem like it's always Mario or Zelda. Yeah, like it's or Pokemon. Why is Pawn Stars so beloved? I hate Pawn Stars. <laughs> Which I mean, Mario and Zelda deserve the spot. It's just there are certain games that, like I understand Metroid. Like I don't see why a kid would like Metroid. You'd be lost the whole <gasps> time. But it's an exploration game. Yeah, you gotta explore that game. I can Do see I know my, where I am. Nope. I could see myself as a kid, like a kid playing Metroid and just getting lost and, and bouncing off it right away. Hmm. Maybe, I definitely. I remember. I first came across Metroid at a friend's birthday party. And How I was old like, were you? Uh, I would have had to have been... Did I have an NES at this point? So it was maybe 1990. Maybe I was six, seven. Okay. And I saw this game and I was like, oh shit, I gotta, I gotta get a hold of this. And I remember renting it and I don't think I really got anywhere in Metroid Yeah. when I first played it. It wasn't until... And then my friend Michael got super metroid but he had a tough if if a boss showed up and the bosses in super metroid are cool they're like bigger than the screen and they're big monsters yeah yeah if he was if he was getting to a boss and felt like things weren't going well he would just start panicking and screaming so then one of us would have to pick up the controller and try to beat the boss this was especially true where there was that red boss that you had to you couldn't kill him you had to push him into the lava by shooting him in the mouth yeah Michael, don't. I'm sorry I told this story to our audience. <laughs> Michael, I'm putting Michael on blast. All right. Well, we at number two, we've got Mike Tyson's Punch Out. And it's pretty close to the number one spot. Uh, it's, I guess it's a popular game. And I, like, honestly, I would say for Mike Tyson's Punch Out, that's one of the Nintendo games that holds up pretty well. Like, yeah, that's still absolutely. pretty fun to play. Oh, yeah. The, the pattern based system. You know, you know, Punch Out was an arcade game? Yeah. 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 But it is interesting. It's, it's a good game. I think it deserves its number two spot. And then number one, I think it's this is going to stick around for a while, is Legend of Zelda. Which is, this is literally the same top five as, as, as last time. So Legend no, of Zelda no changes. is the Pawn Stars of video games. It is. And it's... it's, it's, it's uh, <laughs> you just agreed right with and it. And like Pawn Stars, I like it. I like Pawn Stars. I, well, Zelda is actually probably like the, fully deserves the number one spot. It's the, it's, it is the best game. I, I, I don't know what's going to dethrone it. Maybe Super Mario Bros. 3 when it comes out? Yeah, I, I would not be surprised at all if that was the case. But Do you think, that, is there, would there be a game before that that, would, that you would think would, would take the title? Well, where's Super Mario Bros. 2 on the list? <laughs> not doing great. Uh, 28, damn. Man. Yeah, that, that, that's a real flop. I don't want to make any predictions about what might happen in the future, but I, I want to see somebody topple Zelda, and I think, I think it's going to be Castlevania 2. Wow. That's probably not going to happen. I think Castlevania 2, my guess, is going to, it'll break top five. Don't think it's going to break Zelda. It's going to be the NES Batman movie adaptation. <laughs> Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if something stupid like that happened. Like some like big licensed game, like the Home Alone game. Ooh. Um, <laughs> Those games are atrocious. <laughs> <laughs> Just destroying Zelda. That's right. We're coming to the end here, but there is in the top 30 section, we once again... We get opinions from the most important players to send in their cards. You have players' picks. Those are the, the kiddos. You got the pros who, uh, what, 
what is his hat? Is that an NYU hat that he's wearing? Yeah, I think uh, so. So the adults that play video games. And then, of course, the most important people, uh, the dealers, the people who are Nintendo resellers, uh, sent in their votes for best games. You know what they placed first this time? RBI Baseball. Because <laughs> you yeah. know that they sold a lot of baseball tapes. <laughs> yeah, they're just, it's, it's pretty much just what sold the best at retailers. Is that... that that's got to be it. They're like, wow, we really love... RBI baseball. Or are they trying to sell? Are are they trying to sell it? I think they're saying these are the ones that people are buying. It, it still is just extremely bizarre to me that they get their own list. Yeah, this I is another. And they reason. don't really describe. Yeah, I guess uh, they don't really describe the difference between players, pros, and dealers. I want I, so when I, when yeah, Howard or Gail Tendon comes on the podcast, I want to hear these behind the scenes. It's the same kind of thing as like I want to hear them talk about how they're training reps to repair Nintendo demo stations and Toys R Uses. <laughs> That's the stuff that I want. I want like give me give me the the down low on uh, what it was like to be a. Nintendo retailer. <laughs> it's so exciting. To me. Yeah, I, I'd be interesting. I. We we do get a really solid behind the scenes of in a, in a letter from Howard in the, in, the, in this final. That's true. Yeah, he he has a little letter saying like, "Hey, we're new to magazines, but we're excited. It's been a crazy journey, and we take for granted a lot of the stuff that they had to do physically in person, like that Lamborghini picture from the brother Stamper." Had to travel overseas. Yeah, they don't like. I'm assuming magazines are different now, but like they, there's not like a database they could just pull photos from. Yeah, there was no internet here. Yeah, they had to literally travel the world and grab pictures. Yeah, they had to chase down sports guys to interview them for the sports thing. Yeah. Now, there is one. So, Howard Phillips is making this joke about a $200 taxi cab fare that he had on one of the trips and how he had to pay it out of pocket. And Nintendo reimbursed him for that, right? They'd have to. Yeah, I'm. I, I'm sure Howard's got to be. If I swear to God, if, if the rare people who made like jetpack attacker live in a castle, yeah, Howard's got to be at least in like. A, Nintendo was selling billions of dollars yeah. of games every year. They can afford to give him a check because he spent a thousand dollars on a trip. Yeah, that would be wild if we have Howard on on this podcast and he's like, I was I was poor shit during this. <laughs> Yeah, so it turns out Nintendo's per diem is twenty bucks a day. <laughs> so we we ran through that. You know, we we were eating at the Waffle House and we still ran through it by lunch. Yeah, they paid them in Nestor bucks. Oh, those are only worth those are only worth any money at the Nintendo store. So <laughs> my bed sheets were made of stitched together Nintendo T shirts. <laughs> yeah, it's a cool it is a cool letter to get like a little behind the scenes. I and then, like, they end with a couple of cool photos. Like, it's just very 80s-looking stuff. Finally, get uh, send a friend to score raising Deep Space with Nintendo. Buy your friend a Nintendo Power thing, and we'll give you a, a pin that says Nintendo Power, and it has lightning on it, which is cool. I have to say, this pin actually does look pretty sick. Now you're playing with power. Yeah. All right. All right, that's the issue. We that's did it. it. And, and, and the end of the road. I... I, I feel like I would like to end with um, circling back to our Howard and Nestor one out of ten ratings. Oh, you want to rate them again? Yeah. See all right. All right. See if that's changed. Should I go first this time? Yeah. Yeah. Would you like to go first? Okay. So 
I feel like Howard modeling that jersey was pretty cool. Oh, yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, but on the other hand, he also was like, he was mean to Nestor, but like I said, I don't really have a favorite in the comic. Yeah. I'm going to give, I'm going to give Howard a three again, and here's why. Ooh. I wanted to give him a four, but in his letter at the end, not only does he lie about the cab fare, <laughs> he talks about how in the Pacific Northwest they have salmon barbecues. I grew up in Texas, and who barbecues salmon? Yeah. So, Howard, you get a three. Nestor. Ooh, you brought up some good points. You might be shifting my scores. Okay. Nestor, Nestor, you get a one. <laughs> Nestor, you're at least coherent this time. I liked his wizard's costume. <sighs> you, didn't like, you didn't like his wizard costume? You know he didn't make it. Yeah, he probably stole it from... He stole it or... Got it's probably Howard's wizard costume. Yeah, that he stole. Yeah, uh, I I do like his grift. I like that he's doing a crime. Yeah, not enough to bump him up though. Yeah, he's kind of just kind of sucks. Like, yeah. Now I just feel bad for him. Yeah. So yeah, three to one again, I guess. What oh, about, so, so no change there. Um, yeah. What about you? Yeah, I would say Howard. We saw some cute photos of him. Um, very cute. Howard very photos cute photos. <laughs> yeah. Because I gave him a two last time, I think. And so I would say photo-wise, I'd almost go up to bumping up to a five. Like, I'd go that high. I'd go that Wow. I'd go that really won you over. Well, no. But then I have to look at the bad stuff, which is he was a real jerk in the comic book. And and I agree. Uh, He, you know, that letter was a little bit, a little little shady stuff in there. So I would have to, I think that balanced him back down to a two. All right, so Howard's got a two. I think that's totally fair. Uh, actually, I'm going to go uh, a 2.5. Okay, wait a minute. We can do, yeah. we can do half. St- okay, yeah. fine, fine. <laughs> yeah, we can. I didn't know. So I'm going to give Howard a 2.5, and then Nestor, um, honestly, I, uh, I felt pretty bad for him this issue. Uh, I liked his wizard costume. I'm going to give him a 1.5. <laughs> I think... I think one small step forward. Uh, if, if Nestor continues to win me over, I, I can't ever see bumping him up a full point, but I could see him slowly crawling up uh, via 0.5 increments, maybe all the way up to a 10. We'll see. But right you now, think Nestor could be a 10 by the end of this. Yeah. If uh, right now he's one point, he's only gone up. It's an upward trend. So uh, Nestor 1.5, Howard is a 2.5. So they both went up 0.5. I, you know. I think if Howard stopped being in the comic, I would raise his score. Yeah. Oh, I, undoubtedly. I think without comic Howard, I would probably put him at a six, honestly. Wow. Yeah. You know he stops being in the comic, right? No. That, that. I guess we'll have to see on later. Does, is it because he got fired and he's no longer a part of the, the thing? Or um, is he out of the comic and he's still like... We still are. We, do we still get fun, cute Howard photos? Nestor probably showed up at his house at night needing money for like to make bail or something for some crime friend of his. And Howard's like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah, I could see Howard and Nestor both in like a, a one flew who over the cuckoo's nest, like in an insane insane. Okay, so they're both institutionalized, and uh, Howard's Howard sacrifices himself so that Nestor can escape. Yeah. All right. All right. That's why he's not in the comic. Anymore. That's why he's not in the comic. I think that's that's canon. Hey, great. Hey, thanks for thanks for listening to our podcast. Thanks. We're gonna we're gonna do another one of these in a couple of weeks. <laughs> so good. We're gonna do a third one. 
What if we did three episodes? <laughs> All right. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Now You're Playing with Podcast Podcast is brought to you by the Podcast Power Players Power Team. Music by Games Cameron. This issue's special mailbox reading was by Caitlin Linden. Find back episodes, send us emails, and do cool stuff at our website, nowyou'replaying.com. You're with an E, because we know how to do grammar. 